Hello everybody and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 246. My name is NBZ and uh, I am once again maybe sounding slightly different because uh, I'm, I'm moving about this year. I'm in different places but I'm back home in Edinburgh in my hometown back in the same, I don't know, few miles as Bali is at the moment which is a rare miles. occasion. Yeah. Uh, but, we, uh, we can live quite close. Uh, yeah, relatively close. We live quite close. Yeah, I could, I could walk. It probably takes me like half an hour to walk to your place. Yeah, it's half an hour. We've never done the walk. You've never done the walk. No, yet. I have. I've done the you walk once. Done the walk. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I've not um, done you... the walk to yours. Like, it's, no. Yeah. I'm usually quite lazy and just get my parents to drop me off, uh, but yeah. you know, um, that's... Edinburgh is a very walkable city. Exactly, say that it's it's good. And you know, all my experience of being in San Francisco and LA this year, which are very, I mean, San Francisco is much more walkable than LA is. LA is not a fucking walkable city. <laughs> oh my god! Like it really, it really makes you appreciate uh, places in the UK when you go over there. Do Americans even know what walking is? Let's be. I don't real. think like, they know. You know, no. like I, I'm not so sure. I think this is why everyone came so uh, hard down on walking simulators when they became a genre. Everyone's like, what the fuck is that? Never heard of it. Uh, not going <laughs> to do that. How would Pokemon go in LA? How does that work? Yeah. If no one's Gosh. walking. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you must have... People must have been losing a lot of weight with Pokemon Go in LA because I'm telling you, you've got to go places to see <laughs> anything over there. So, um, but yes, uh, if I do sound slightly different, it's because I, I have a sock over my microphone instead of a pop filter, um, which you know hopefully does the job of getting rid of my weird peas, but um, uh, will maybe sound slightly off. But um, hey, I'm here uh, and uh, going to be doing some cool stuff in Edinburgh, um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to talk about some video game stuff because there's some fun stuff that's been going on in the world of Nintendo. But before getting to that hi bally i don't think i introduced hi. you i'm joined by bally how's it going i'm going well um bally jr has started doing a few little steps like he's oh get, my goodness he's, get, he's getting there with the walking um, oh my gosh he can do a few independently and then he kind of gets self-conscious and collapses um but if you like hold one hand he can just keep walking he just keeps my going goodness. which is quite impressive so um he's done a lot of walking like around our sofa and footrest so he has a lot of sideways walking like a crab so now that he's walking independently a little bit a lot of it is quite sideways some of the time so we're kind of trying to help him like walk more forwards because yeah he's a bit bit crab like occasionally yeah it feels like um i don't know do you do you feel like it, always in like the movies and stuff they're like oh this is the moment that it happened but it feels like in reality it's more of a a, like you're saying like a gradual process it's very gradual I'd, I'd i'd make the same argument about like first words as well because he's been right. saying like mama mama ma, da 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 for like weeks now but oh, okay it's quite hard to put down when he first went like mama or dada and his usage of those words keeps changing where right he now points to basically anything anytime he's happy and he's pointing at something it's da 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 and anytime it's like in distress or upset, oh, no. mum, mum, like oh. I need comfort, like save me, kind of thing. So like I'm, I'm just associated as I'm the good cop already, basically. Sure, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's cemented in place. <laughs> I'm the good guy, and good. Mama is the 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 bad guy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. solid. It's, it's all good. That's uh, what you need. You need distinction. You need moral black and white. That's the <laughs> exactly. most necessary thing to understand as a child. Uh, so that's good. Um, awesome. Well, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Some video game things, uh, as well as some other 
uh, non-video game things, the movies, some might say. So, Bally, do you want to talk about what we're going to be uh, discussing on the show? First segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. And the second segment, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Zelda trailer that came out. There's a Xenoblade DLC coming out. There's an indie direct that we can mention. But the main thing we're going to talk about in the second segment is the Super Mario Bros movie which we have both seen and we are gonna spoil the crap out of that film and have a good discussion absolutely um uh, as much as you can spoil a movie like that but, uh, <laughs> you know it's the, i'd say the spoiling stuff more comes from references and nods totally, more so yeah, than anything yeah, else yeah. um Massively. but um but yeah I, I mean by this point everyone will have seen it so uh hopefully everyone can tune in for that at the end of the show um but uh let's kick things off bally it has been what's that meme that i was talking about on the stream the other day uh it's been three thousand years right like there's 3, that guy he's the pokemon guy from x and y he's holding the flower pokemon it's been three thousand years uh we've been doing the show for uh i mean we're closing in on 10 years apparently we're closing in on 10 um, years that's supposedly a thing but we've been doing it for at least nine years in those nine years nintendo has not once uttered or released a game in the franchise known as Advance Wars. Now, they put them on Virtual Console, and we talked about that. Bally, you picked it up on Wii U back in the day. Yeah, I played one and two on Wii U. Absolutely. But here we go. For the first time in the history of us doing this show, and also in like 20 years-ish, I don't know when the last one was, Nintendo have released a product with the Advance Wars name on it. Uh, And Bally, as the resident Advance Wars guy here, who has been waiting for so long for them to acknowledge the series in any way, let alone just, you know, barely a remake here. Uh, How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling good. I should say, I think Dark Conflict, which was the last one, I think that came out in Europe in like 2008 or 9. Oh, okay. That was a DS game, right? Right, DS. So we're talking like 14 years, I make that, Um, which is a damn long time. And yeah, I picked up Reboot Camp. I'm about, I maybe played like two and a half, three hours last night. I'm a good like five, six missions into the, the, the first game's campaign. And it feels really good. It feels really good to be back in it. I, I will say that the presentation is great, but equally the presentation of the original was also great. I think they're both two great art styles that um, I don't think the art style was one thing that anyone wanted changed with Advance Wars, arguably, because it was kind of like some of the best pixel art for the time that we'd kind of seen. Like it was really impressive stuff back in like 2000, 2001 with Advance Wars 1. Like really good use of pixel art. So Part of me is sad that it's gone, but equally, I, I think the new sprite, not sprites, but like the 3D animated troops, they look good. They do look good. I think that like the, it's a nice modern take on what those sprites were trying to depict. I think that's ultimately what they've gone for. And it, it works. I don't think, I don't think I'm in love with the art style, but equally, we can't just be, keep doing sprites necessarily unless you're going for like the hd 2d thing i, I think mm, I, we, yes advanced wars could have done with like a bit more 3d rendering so i'm glad they went this direction and it's got like like that um it's got that real Link's awakening remake toy thing going on and when you zoom out which you can do very easily on these boards which is really nice which you couldn't do as easily on the game boy version you can you can see that there's like a side of the board like it's like an actual playing board like you're playing with toy soldiers basically which i think is quite a nice aesthetic especially as i think that especially with it being delayed because of the war in ukraine like we need to just step back and be like right these are all toy soldiers we need to calm down a bit on all the kind of like hysteria around like appropriate times to be releasing war games because i think advanced wars has always been very 
it's very toy friendly very, very kid friendly very there's not a ton of violence as much as you are still shooting at other people and all these things it's it's a pretty cutesy kiddie take on war yeah things and... blow up but it's cartoonish and like has a has a whimsy to it that i think yeah. like is is removed enough from reality that i don't know i think nintendo are always overly cautious and that is obviously why they took this long Definitely, to put it out yeah. um but yeah it it seems like especially with this new art style that like you said leans into that kind of childlike um kind of wonder then, then it doesn't quite have the same connection as yeah. some more realistic war games out there and and on the war in ukraine and i tweeted this but when you do like the first three chapters they're kind of linked into one spot on the map um you do like these first three tutorial chapters and then you move on to the next chapter the little flag that appears when you've like completed the, the first trilogy of chapters it's a ukrainian flag <laughs> like it's, it's Wait, literally really? blue and then yellow like a ukrainian flag now if you could argue that the blue looks a little bit green-ish perhaps but it looks a bit more blue than it does green to me um and i think i just thought like wow for a game that got delayed for a war between russia and ukraine to not like take this out of the game or just change the damn color of the flag <laughs> is kind of jaw-dropping in a that way like nuts, i can't man. actually quite believe that this colored flag is in the game and the thing is that when you beat any of the other maps it's a different flag like this is like a you've beaten the tutorial flag um which is very strange so i just wanted to chat that out. but um, huh. the thing that stuck with me the most after the first three hours in a boring way is kind of just saying how great the mechanics are they've not changed from the first game that's not true there's one thing you can do from the that you can't do in the first game and okay. that is restart the turn oh okay thing. very um, cool now it might be nice if you could have just gone back one or two or three moves yeah um, but so maybe restarting the turn is a bit of a a big thing to do when it could have been a smaller thing however right? because if you make a mistake like right at the end and you would want to just undo that one thing it's like because fire emblem obviously has implemented this in the most recent games of like you can go back each uh action that a character has taken so you can go back to the exact point at which you made the mistake and kind of recorrect from there but i guess in this case it's like oh i made that mistake right, right at the end after set everyone up in the same way as before um just to get to that one point one more time yeah so i think i think it works really well for this game and i'm glad it's there and advanced wars has always been one of those games in my opinion where the tide of war changes so like you will push really hard to like dominate your opponent but then the last third of the battle is normally clean up like it's i've out dominated you now i'm just destroying all your troops or focusing in on your hq to take it over like there's a lot of downtime in advance wars that i think is quite different to fire emblem often where there's that like back and forth of will i won't i win this match and then you out dominate them they they reduce troops because what happens is they reduce troops they reduce cities when they reduce cities they take less income when they have less income they can't get as many troops so you get the big, bigger troops because you've got more cities. So it, it's a bit like a game like Risk. Like once you've dominated, it's very hard to fight your way back in Advance Wars. And, and some argue that's a downside of the system, and especially in multiplayer. But in the campaign, that's what's happening most of the time. So the point I'm trying to make is that having the one turn go back doesn't actually... Some will say, oh, it makes it too easy. I don't think it does make it too easy because advance wars isn't dictated by one turn it's dictated by a series of turns um so doing one wrong move in one turn as much as it's nice to fix that it's not going to change the tide of war by and large like miss moving your tank to the wrong spot one time in my opinion like it doesn't affect the overall um 
tied in advance wars especially in the later maps where you've got more units and do you think that's because you can keep refreshing and like putting more units onto the map because i guess the difference with fire emblem is if that one character dies then they're done and so it makes more sense to go back like each individual action that you take in order to kind of undo that mistake whereas here it's i don't know advance wars definitely seems like a there's more of a long view to it than a kind of mm. short view when it comes to like grand not grand strategy but like you have a general idea of what you're moving towards versus like those moment to moment actions that happen where you take down one unit of, of soldiers or something along those lines yeah i mean in the harder modes that strategy you've discussed where you're basically throwing units at the the wall them dying and then replacing them with more units that's a very expensive use of units it's much right. more cost effective to fire them into the line of fire they take damage when they need recovered you re- you retreat them to recover on cities and then when they're recovered you put them back and that's a much more efficient use of money so if you just throw enemies into battle and they die and then you replenish them you will also get like really bad a really bad score overall and so far i've got like ans rank and all the missions i've gone for i'm not saying i'm going to go after that ans rank for the whole campaign because i think it does get more challenging and i should also say that i'm playing on classic mode there's like two modes there's casual and classic and they really don't describe the modes well at all i think the casual description is just like you're here for a more casual experience it's like right you repeated the you repeat the same word you're trying to describe it's not not the best (laughs) description and then likewise the classic mode is you're here for a more traditional harder battle i can't remember right. the exact definitions but it was very vague but i went for classic so, so it's not like distinct because interesting they use the exact same verbiage as fire emblem does with oh, classic and casual but in fire emblem it's like well this is exactly what happens in classic everyone who dies is dead casual people come back from the dead like it's a very clear and obvious distinction but advanced wars doesn't work like that so it doesn't seem like they do a good job of saying yeah it's a lot more to do with enemy intelligence and where to place units and things like that um right but yeah like to your original point, I don't really play with the strategy of throw troops at the wall and then and then die and get more troops because, like I said, it's inefficient and also it gives you yeah. a bad score. So I always try to protect my units, recover them. Um, and also there's plenty of maps where you don't have the, the, the barracks, as it were, where you create troops. There's a lot of maps where you have a fixed number of units. Um, so it's not always just about creating units. Um, mm. So yeah, it's i mean i just think that mechanically it's just my favorite turn-based strategy ever like i think yes wargroove is fantastic and i do love the mix that wargroove does and then to be honest i can't really choose between wargroove and advanced wars i think that they both offer slightly ever so slightly different things and i think i maybe like the more fantasy creative aesthetic of wargroove a little more than advanced wars but i still have a really soft spot and a nostalgia for advanced was like this is one of my most comfy games to just stick on the podcast let's play some maps and let's move some units move some tanks move some mech units like it just it's a very relaxing game for me and i just absolutely and that's why i that's why i bought advanced wars reboot camp i don't i'm not expecting to be mind blown by something new like this is a very this is very much comfort food for me and um it's not doing anything special or new but considering this is remaking two games from 2001 and 2003 i think it's a great idea that it's out there and that people who have never played advance wars can actually play it because as you said as you said it's been such a long time and i'm so happy that this game is out there and you know hopefully it sells a few units because i know i'm not not necessarily the target audience but hopefully it can get over like 
a million units that'd be great yeah. maybe even two like that would be, i think that'd be a good result for this this game and who knows there might even be um more unique original games in the future that'd be incredible um but so far i'm i'm having a great time but like i said i'm only about three hours in and i guess i can save a bit more next time yeah definitely and do you, do you think that like this is a good place for people to jump in if they've never tried the series before obviously it seems like having a casual mode in there probably makes the onboarding a bit easier for people oh yeah definitely i th- I think the tutorial system especially of the first game and i said this when i replayed the game back in i think it was 2017 16 maybe on the show i can't remember but the, the first sort of 10 missions are really good i'm i if you know me i love a good tutorial and i think mm-hmm. advanced wars is a, is a fantastic tutorial it's a real slow breadcrumbing of mechanics you start with just infantry then you move on to tanks once you move on to yeah. tanks you do a little bit of air once you're on top of air you move to a little bit of sea they'll gradually put the combinations together until you finally put air land and sea together and you're combining all these mechanics and there's a bit of fog of war and you're learning about long range short range units what's good on what like there's a lot of mechanics to advance wars but i'm super impressed by the i mean i think the original game had a fantastic tutorial and i think this game has just copied that like mechanically this game is pretty much identical to the first game i've not spotted any differences like i said other than the difficulty modes and the re re retry the turn like other than that mechanically it's completely the same um and i think it's a fantastic tutorial system so if you're on the fence but maybe maybe like fire emblem because that's the only game that's come out from intelligent systems (laughs) yeah exactly and i know this is way forward but if you're on the fence about like will i like advanced wars should i try reboot camp honestly like there are certain fundamentals that are very similar to fire emblem fire emblem and you will be able to jump in learn these the new mechanics in the tutorials and i think you will have a great time like i would highly recommend this game to to newcomers and i'm sure there's many people listening thinking yeah i might go for it i would say definitely go for it it's mm-hmm. it's a great package yeah for sure and, and yeah it does it does sound like it's not only kind of mimicking Link's awakening in its visual style but also in the idea that exactly. just like that game yeah. it basically just made everything pretty but totally. mechanically kept things very similar um so and i will say that i think advanced wars is mechanically a far stronger game than link's awakening although of course it's very different genres sure yeah it's a more modern game um as well right yeah um comparatively anyway when it first came out yeah it's interesting you talk about that with the first 10 missions because fire emblem 7 does the exact same thing and i wonder if like advanced wars was an inspiration to to help that for like bringing fire emblem to the west for the first time i think they came out incredibly similar times right and they were yes advanced wars was first though i believe um advanced wars was closer to the launch of gba right but both of those games aims advanced wars one and fire emblem seven were series that had been successful and sold well in japan for years since the famicom right and these were their first western launches and they really wanted to make it appealing to a western market and mm. and the rest is history basically like both those yeah, games yeah. are incredibly good and i think have aged incredibly well and totally yeah highly recommend advanced wars one um check it out yeah um <laughs> makes me wonder like oh what if they do the same thing for a fire emblem 7 remake that'd be hilarious if they do like <laughs> just take this kind of toy like aesthetic that'd be fun like, yeah apply yeah. that uh which i don't think they do uh i think 
unfortunately for you, fortunately for me in this case, Fire Emblem commands a much wider and broad audience at this point. Oh, yeah. So any oh, big yeah. remake of Fire Emblem would get like the biggest, prettiest treatment, essentially. So uh, yeah, um, hopefully we'll get to a point where Advance Wars gets that, um, or yeah. at least gets a brand new game that really pushes, uh, you know, visual fidelity and stuff. And I mean, not that that has to, because I think the core of these games really is the tactics right and i don't think it really matters what it looks like but um it's been nice to see fire emblem get like very pretty you know uh cutscenes and stuff like that and um you know just a a more console uh style experience uh much as i still will always prefer sprites the few co's in this game like and their animation style is really impressive like i think andy sounds like he's voiced by someone so similar to ash ketchum it's ridiculous. Oh, wow, okay. it's like a really high-pitched voice just like yeah. ash ketchum um i was just gonna say that maybe there's a chance that they re reboot uh the ds game the two ds games mm, potentially yeah. after this if they don't want to make an original game uh but who knows i'd be up for a reboot of the third and fourth game but equally i would love a new game so who knows but um yeah i'll, I'll this is going to be like on the back burner for me for a while i think because i think it's going to be taking me a good like 40 50 hours to beat the two campaigns but i'll totally. I'll, I'll, I'll check in again but i don't know there's something about advanced wars Bally with you where every time regardless of your situation or anything you just somehow like manage to devour <laughs> it uh so i feel like uh you'll you'll get through it sooner rather than later yeah it's not it's not elden ring it's not it's not no. hard to play it you don't yeah. have to mentally psych yourself up to play it for me at least i know right, many exactly people will think that advanced wars is quite a psych up game but yeah yes yeah it's good stuff awesome Fantastic. Well, look forward to uh, you taking some more time to dive back into one of your old favorites. Uh, that's that's always good. Nice and comforting, uh, as usual. Yeah. Um, I have been charting new territory. Uh, I played a new game, and I'm very close to finishing it, um, but I've been spending a lot of time with a, a game that came out earlier this year called A Space for the Unbound. Um, if you don't know what this is, I'd recommend looking up a YouTube video on it to kind of get a sense of it. Um, it is one of the prettiest kind of pixel art games that uh, I've played in a long time. Um, has a kind of side-scrolling aesthetic to it um, and it is basically a narrative um, point and click in some way uh, style game um, that is set in Indonesia uh, it's set in kind of like a 1990s uh, uh, time and place for Indonesia um, and takes place uh, in a you know in a space that is like mixing reality with fantasy um, and it has a lot of stuff going on with it. So the, the core premise is that you play this character called Atma, and at the very beginning, uh, you're being told this story, this kind of like story of this princess and stuff like that, and it kind of zooms out, and you're sitting in this kind of van with uh, a young girl who's like, uh, you know, telling her story, and basically the idea that is he's a writer, and like she's also like wants to be creative and get into writing, uh, and so they like trading ideas back and forth, but he's like kind of, it's like 20 years old-ish, probably a bit older, um, but like they have this kind of connection, um, and then some stuff happens, there's like bad weather, and seemingly you, your main character like falls under the water and drowns, seemingly. And, and I, I don't know what the resolution for that is at all, because then, snap, you wake up, you wake up at a school table, and you're like, what What was that? That was a weird dream. So already, like, the game is playing with, like, what is what is the real space? Like, what is actual reality? Was it this thing that I started with? Or is it this place I'm in now, where I've woken up from hmm. uh, this dream? Um, and, you know, the, the game then starts to be a little more mundane in that you're in the school setting, uh, and you have this girl, and just like, 
oh, I'm your girlfriend. And you're like, oh, I don't know who you are, but you kind of like some sort of amnesia going on with you, your main character. And be like, oh, I guess I guess I know her um, and she's my girlfriend and we're going to go do stuff. And so like you have this kind of hanging out situation where um, you start making this like, it's like the summer, right? And you're making a bucket list of things to do. You're like, oh, we're going to go see fireworks. We need to go to the movies. And then everyone, like he has his own individual things. He's like, I want to find all these bottle caps. And that's one of the collectibles you find along the road is like these bottle caps that you collect and they go into your menu. Um, or he's like, oh, I want to beat the high score on the fighting game cabinet. And that's one of the mini games that you can take part in. So like, it's this very chill kind of mundane vibe where you're you're exploring this small town space. And like I said, it's kind of side scrolling um, and you uh, you can kind of like walk between, uh, you know, roads and alleyways. Um, and you get to know this place quite intimately, quite quickly um, uh, because, you know, you're, you're going back and forth. You're talking to characters. You're um, kind of just fulfilling requests, that type of thing. Um, and so early on, you end up in the cinema um, and it's this really nice scene where like you it goes into kind of like a hand-drawn aesthetic and you can see your character and um, Rhea who's who's the other character uh, both kind of like watching the movie screen so you're seeing them as they're watching it uh, and there's a piece of po- there's like a box of popcorn in the middle um, and one of the first things that I did was like uh, it's like okay you have to reach for the popcorn to like just press a to get popcorn to eat during the movie to kind of progress things and you press a and you accidentally like put your hand on top of hers at the same time and they both like look at each other embarrassed and then like move their hand away it's like very cute like very kind of wholesome and i think does a really good job of getting across that kind of like um you know teenage like young love like summer kind of feeling um and then it goes very supernatural because you get to the end of that movie and she's like man that was a nice movie about cats what if we lived in a world with cats and all of a sudden she snaps her fingers and boom you're just like in a reality Hmm. where there's a bunch of cats and so you know what's going on yet no no it's very much kind of like as i said like you're thrown into a lot of different situations where it has this mix of like the mundane reality and the kind of like vibes of indonesian life uh, and then all of a sudden oh you're somehow in this different space um and clearly she has some kind of superpower you also have an ability and so you get this book and this book basically allows you to what is called space dive which means you go up to a character and this is all story context sensitive so you can't do it with anyone on the street but you go up to a character who has a little icon over their head and you space dive into their brain so it's kind of like an inception situation where you go into their mind um and you are solving situations that that occur uh, for different people um you know different things in people's past like going through and and figuring out situations that they're kind of like uh you know hiding personally or, or, or don't want to address internally those types of things so there's there's some deep stuff in this game it, it, it can get pretty um pretty real and, and dark at moments and um i think the, the game handles it pretty deftly like there's there's a real great kind of tone to the writing and i think they they nail that that vibe very well but also are kind of careful with it and and there is like a warning at the beginning saying hey like this game deals with depression suicide all those kind of things so mm. you know people should know that going in um but i think that it, it handles it very sensitively and um generally does a really good job of like kind of diving like literally diving in right to people's uh, internal um spaces and figuring things out and the way that it works from a gameplay perspective is sometimes you go into someone's mind and there will they'll be like oh you know so there's this situation where where uh, someone at the local bakery like they have uh not inferiority kind of thing but they're like they feel the weight of uh you know having to take it over from their grandfather who's like this master baker and but the the reality is that they want to cook chinese food more so than do baking right and so there's this internal conflict of like well do i you know i need to take over this business but also i want to go and do my own thing right so there's a, a, a kind of idea where you have to go out and get ingredients from the real world and then bring them into uh the the mind space uh where you then use them in order to kind of solve these mini puzzles 
puzzles leading up to the resolution of that stuff and i think it's really cool because it, it kind of it draws that connection between uh you know what's happening outside and and inside as well and um and it gives you like a good kind of excuse to explore the space and talk to characters um i think at, at points it can get a little too much with that where you're like okay i kind of want to move the story forward but the the game is like oh no we're going to do another one of these situations but it, it changes it up enough to make it um kind of fresh so one of those kind of mind dive situations is is phoenix wright-esque where you're going and collecting evidence from the outside world and then you come in and uh you basically have to go through a testimony like you do in phoenix right and you have mm. to pull out the evidence for each uh statement to make sure you're like oh no you said you're this but this is actually what i found in the real world and this is evidence of who you really are that type of stuff um so so i think it, it changes things up enough in that way to to make it interesting and there are moments of like light stealth elements where the, there's one uh, kind of early mind dive or space dive where um the character has a bunch of wolves in their imagination and you're slowly moving and there's like an eyeball above you and you know you need to duck at the right time to make sure when they turn around they don't see you um and there's there's no real any punishment for this stuff um it just kind of like resets you back but it's like a light variation i think gameplay wise um and there are a few other things gameplay wise they do there like there is combat quote-unquote combat in the game which basically just a rhythm mini game um and you know when you're doing attacks it'll be like up left down b a so you're like quickly inputting things before the timer runs out in order to do an attack and then when you're blocking an attack it's like imagine the stardew valley fishing thing but on its side and there's a bar that is moving and you have it's basically like uh, mario golf actually where a bar is moving and you have to hit it in the right uh, green zone mm. in order to to block so there's like some light combat stuff in there and there's also like uh, quote-unquote boss fights at, at points where you're also like dodging out the way of obstacles like holding the run button to like move out the way of stuff so even though it is very much narrative focused and uh you know you're the main thing you're doing is talking to characters and existing in a world and you know petting cats like one of the things this game does is like there's like 25 cats in the game and every time you meet a new one uh you get to choose from three different names to name it and then that's the name of the cat locked in for the rest of the game so whenever um um your, your main character atma goes up to them next time he'll remember their name and pet them and stuff in the street so it's a game that exists on some very good vibes right like it is it is extremely like chill but also has a lot going on and i think one of the things that um makes it stand out is the soundtrack it has an incredible set of tracks that are so like comforting and homely and, and i think one of the, so I, I actually had a look at like what were the inspirations here and um, because the the development studio mokijen they're based in uh indonesia uh, and the the whole town is based on surabaya which is the capital of east java uh the east java region in indonesia and that is you know where their studio is based and so a lot of these kind of cultural references and things you feel it very strongly even though i have like no connection to the place or like any idea of any if any of this is authentic it feels authentic right and i think mm. the music has a lot to do with that um there's traditional kind of like music that they play at points in the game as well um and apparently the uniform for the main character is the national high school uniform of indonesia as well so like i think if you are from this culture you're going to get a lot of like homely feeling about it um and i get that even though i am not right there's there is a real mastery here in terms of like just the the animation of of the the spaces you move along like the parallax scrolling of um the the city and the town that you're in uh, but like the the way the music supports that and like the way that it works in different emotional moments and in kind of like tense moments i think it's just a really really exceptional thing um that's been put together here um and and I, i've enjoyed it tremendously i i think that 
towards the end it, it is getting much more supernaturally in a way that f- is feeling like it's going to be hard to like nail at the end like i i will be surprised if it absolutely like knocks it out of the part in terms mm. of like explaining everything right because it feels like one of those games where you might get to the end of a battle and you're like well they didn't there wasn't a resolution. It didn't tell me why the thing did thing, and I'm annoyed about it. Exactly, and and I'm usually much more okay with that. Like I'm I'm there much more for the themes uh, and for the kind of like ideas that they're trying to get across through these weird supernatural things. And I think that stuff, you know, from the journey that I've gone on so far, has been really well done, and I, and I like it. Um, but I don't. I, I just worry that it's not going to kind of come to a kind of narrative conclusion in that way but Mm. it may well do i've only probably got about an hour and a half left so i'm really like at the end point here um but i i do think that it's something very much worth seeking out um if you are interested in narrative style games or even visual novels or just anything that that is a of a kind of like sci-fi but also cozy uh, aesthetic which i understand right. is like two tastes that are quite different yeah. but i think this this takes that um and and makes it something really special especially because like there is not a twist necessarily but like the game from a um i don't know tonal perspective as i said is very kind of chill and like hometown vibes and all that sort of stuff until about you know three four hours in and then something happens about three four hours in where it's like oh really we're gonna do that that's incredibly dark and like we're just gonna wave hand wave this and then the character has Mm, to i heard the game was quite dark actually yeah yeah and then the character has to deal with the consequences of that and they're like what's going on here really is this person someone who i should be trusting or not right like there's a there's a real um kind of conflict there and i think that that is a good driving force for the rest of the narrative as well um and and yeah i I think that you know it's 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 the type of game where you can play in bed for for an hour or so and you'll be frustrated if you only have an hour to to go to sleep because it's the kind of thing where you want to keep playing it like i played it today for about four hours straight and i was like you know didn't even notice because i'm just like very much driven to to go to the next thing and, and see the new stuff that's happening um so yeah i i very much recommend it does the is the game narratively predominantly vibes or is that mm. is there still that really punchy story going through it yeah i think there is like because you are trying to figure out what's going on um there is a i think there is a distinct narrative through line right um you're trying to basically explain what happens at the beginning of the game in a sense but also like what is happening why these characters doing these different things um like what is the cause here um and there are like there's flashback sequences and stuff like that that contextualizes things that happen so there are reveals you know narratively that are satisfying and things like that you're like ah okay so this makes sense now because that person is this person that type of stuff right um so i do think it does have that um but it does also have a bunch of confusing stuff that you might be like i i'm kind of a little bit lost here as well so it's it's a bit of both um but i think at the end of the day um i'll i'll wrap back around maybe next week and, and talk about how it finishes maybe and say whether it's a badly approved or not approved uh, uh type, type of ending but um I, I hope that the ending does stick it because I, I would be yeah. interested in playing this game at some point this year if i can possibly fit it in yeah i mean it, it is like a 10-ish hour game i'm yeah. about nine and a half hours in and i'm i think according i, I use a youtube walkthrough sometimes to just get my way to a point where i'm at and be like how many hours did this person take to get to the, through, yeah, through the rest I've, of this yeah i've done that um, with games as well it's quite useful. yeah it's helpful um and uh yeah i'll probably take about 11 hours with it which you know um i think 
you can get through it in about a week or so if you have consistent kind of game time you know that's it's it's nice i like 10 hour games in that sense because they are very much like well i can commit a couple of hours to this every night and then i'll be yeah. done in a week or so which i think is good it's it's weird when you finish a game and i i'm obviously playing octopath and it's taking a very long time but yeah when you finish a game and you can kind of remember the time and place where you were when you started that game and how much has changed yeah, in your life yeah. since the start of the game where it's quite nice to just start and finish something in a week yeah exactly and i think this is definitely that um it's um it's just like i, I think the game that i would compare it to from like a vibes perspective is eastward when it comes to like pixel mm. art and like music and in I, I was gonna say it's like night in the woods but night in the woods is doing a very different thing like from a kind of uh narrative perspective although like from a visual perspective you could compare them because they're both kind of side-scrolling narrative games right so can you platform in this game no you can't unfortunately um also nbz nitpick here is um you have to hold down a button to run or you have to double tap the um the analog stick to run wow Um, we're going arcade style yeah and it's 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 annoying for me because as you know as we talk about in every episode i like to go fast uh, in video games <laughs> and like the the base walking speed for this game is so slow like <laughs> agonizingly slow they just want you to take in their game exactly they, exactly painstakingly um, spent hours making this incredible yes. visual art that you just want to run through like I sonic over here like come yeah, on yeah totally well that's the thing is is i do appreciate that and, and there are definitely times where i make and i do this in some games like yakuza is a great example where like there were moments when i was playing judgment where i'm like i'm just gonna walk to my office i'm just gonna there slowly walk okay. and look around the space and just breathe it in but also i think that's because that series has like does such an exceptional job of like creating a city space like the the vibes of being in a city is like so exceptionally done there and a space for the unbound is just like that in a sense that like yes you will want to slowly walk somewhere just to take in the atmosphere and everything happening and like it's really nice as well because there's little like cars that go by in front of you and like people riding on bicycles like there's a sense of life and movement to the town um as you know as you're going through it that i think just kind of lends to that that homely atmosphere that i think is just super Mm. well done i think like persona 4 is also a great example of like a kind of rural town setting right in video games and for me that is like catnip like i absolutely love rural town settings um you know asian rural town settings is like hey it's it's my vibe and i think this <laughs> nails that absolutely perfectly so nice. um yeah i i really really strongly recommend it and uh yeah go check it out um it's very good uh bali we did something fun yeah um, we did something fun together um, because we have a history uh, of, obviously, the Pokemon series back in the day when we were much younger. 23 years ago, to be exact. Yes, yeah. Um, Nintendo decided in their great wisdom to put onto the Nintendo online service Pokemon Stadium, uh, which uh, is a game we had a lot of hours in. And a lot of that was spent, you know, with mystery gift stuff showing off our bedrooms, obviously in the second game in Pokemon yeah. Stadium 2, um, also with mini games. But also, uh, we did have a, a good crack at, like, those gym challenges and the tower and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we decided we we're going to stream a little bit of that, and that happened recently. So if you want to check that out, you can go to twitch.tv slash lordmbz, and you should be able to find the archive of us playing through a bit of that, choosing a team, that sort of stuff. But, um, Pally, how did it feel? to return to pokemon stadium after so long it did feel good it felt very nostalgic i think that the selling point of pokemon stadium was pokemon in 3d and to very young listeners of the podcast who might be listening right now they're probably thinking pokemon's been 3d for ages what are you talking Uh about but like in 2000 this was a huge deal and 
I think it's maybe hard to sell Pokemon Stadium to a new Pokemon generation, but between the mini games, the Pokemon, the the the, the gym leader challenge that we did, and like the wider, there's like the stadium mode as well. Like, I, 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 you can even plug in your Game Boy game on the original game and play in Dodduo or Dodrio mode. You could literally play your Game Boy game using the the cartridge reader into an N64 controller and play Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, which is awesome. Um, but aside from all that, like, yes, I think it, 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 it holds up. Like, it's good fun. Like, I think that once you get your head around, like, how Gen 1 mechanics work, on top of the fact that Pokemon Stadium has its own mechanics that are separate to the rest of Gen 1 and is really confusing and bizarre, um, it's good fun. Like, it's, it's strategic Pokemon. I think that doing the rental Pokemon gives it that added layer of challenge and, in my view, fun because you often the the most powerful Pokemon have some of the worst move sets and some of the weaker Pokemon have better move sets and you're kind of trying to pick try, trying to cover your type co- your type coverage and this kind of thing and I had the dream of like we're going to pick six Pokemon and we're going to get through the whole thing with one team and in reality that's actually really hard to do because as we found out very quickly especially with Misty and her Starmie they like to cover some of their the gym leaders like to cover a lot of their weaknesses and in the end, we had to use a uh, Misty beating um, team specifically just to beat Misty. And then we went back to our standard team for Lieutenant Surge. And yeah, we didn't get particularly far. And I think it was a little bit more challenging than we were estimating. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather a game like this was too hard than too easy. And it's, yes. it's a good time. Yeah, totally. And it was it was good to have chat there because uh, a lot of people uh, know those mechanics a lot better than we do in terms of like, oh, what were the weird uh, specific things that happened in Gen 1 that never happened again? Like um, moves like Rap, for example, being an absolute pain in the ass where you literally cannot attack yeah. at all uh, for the duration of that move and you have to switch out if you want to get away from it. And a lot of the Pokemon early on just using those types of moves again and again. Um, also, lots of p- moves just being thrown out that were like oh let's just lower your accuracy constantly um which was definitely (laughs) something that i think a lot of pokemon games tend to do um and is the most annoying tactic in the world is i can't i think it's like was it whitney who used minimize on miltank or some somebody used minimize uh on like it's it's like a chancy kind of blissy type of move but someone like in those trainers back in the day was very minimize heavy and i was like this sucks because unless you have an always hit move it just comes down to chance right Uh, and uh, obviously there's a reason all that stuff is banned and competitive because it's just so purely luck that it's it's just like although apparently and when someone mentioned this in chat it did make me remember to i'm pretty sure trying this strategy in the stadium mode uh Pokemon Stadium has sleep claws. Like, you're not allowed to put more than one Pokemon to sleep in a team uh, because it's it's overpowered. So, you know, even the Pokemon Company, although I know this game was like EAD plus HAL, I believe, made the first game at least. Like, even they realize, you know, there's that hypnosis is a little bit OP. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I'm I'm glad that they have that built in. but also, like, th- there's still a lot of bullshit that gets thrown at you that you're like, oh, my God, how do I deal with this? Um, <laughs> the the thing that is nice, though, is, like, every Pokemon seems to have more custom animations to mm. them. And I think back then you could get away with it because there were, I mean, I say only 150. It's still a lot of Pokemon to go through. But um, but it was, it's not the situation we have now where there's over a thousand. And, like, even in the 3D games, there has to be, like, a... 
there has to be like a generic way in which this move comes out of a Pokemon, right? right? Um, whereas we saw multiple times with Vileplume, where Vileplume is just tapping its foot all the time, and it like it moves its head to throw things out, like specifically like poison moves. It's got really like floppy petals that are just mm-hmm. really well animated. Like yes, it's, it's really cool that every every Pokemon has like an entry animation, a fainting animation, and then a bunch of move animations. Like this is it's cool in 2023 and it was incredibly cool in like in 2000 like it, it yeah i think that stuff really holds up nicely and as you say i've not played a ton of the modern pokemon games the last modern pokemon game i played was pokemon sun and that was fine but it still uh-huh. didn't have the unique animations that pokemon stadium in 2000 did so like yeah did, did scarlet and violet have many unique animations per pokemon or as you say it doesn't really work yeah it's it's good but like i still think that there's a hey if you use hydro pump it's going to look like this every time and that's still the case here but at least there's like there's a lead up to it right and every pokemon in the lead up looks different but but as you as you were saying if blast always uses hydro pump in pokemon stadium it comes out the two cannons yes but if you use hydro pump as say i don't know cedra i think it comes out the mouth you know like with 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 one like jet whereas yes. they make a point of blastoise like two jets out the two cannons like it's that kind of level of detail that is really appreciated and i wonder if the reason for that is and you know this kind of ties into another thing we were talking about is when a move misses you see the start of the animation but you don't see the end of it and the way that these are built is basically a one camera shot of the animation being done by the pokemon using it and mm-hmm. another camera shot of the pokemon being hit by the animation now traditionally in, in new pokemon games that's not how it works it's usually a single shot of move being used and being hit within the same frame and maybe that's why pokemon stadium works in this way is that it is so segmented where you see vile plume you know charging up to do the move taps its foot blasts it out and then potentially it could miss and you don't know that it's missed until after that animation is triggered um so that could be the case i don't know mm, um yeah certainly yeah certainly makes it easier at least for them to to distinguish right um, yeah, yeah. Uh, because every pokemon being hit is going to look similar versus the pokemon actually doing the move in the first place so um but yeah i um i think that it it's definitely one of those challenges where we probably will have to just change things up a bunch just to get through it yeah. um which is fine i think that's cool and i think it's nice though because it gives you variety in the, the different pokemon i will say that like trying to find the best balance between this pokemon is a good pokemon but its moveset is terrible is really tricky right because yeah. you're like well i want to use Machamp, but he's got shit moves right like it's it's a it's a hard thing to to strike because and especially with like the way that moves worked back then where there wasn't a physical special split it was moves that are fighting normal bug whatever or all physical but if you're psychic and electric and water it's all special it, it just makes it so certain pokemon are kind of useless um kind of useless yeah 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 um although with gengar it worked out because gengar even though ghost is a physical it doesn't really have any ghost moves to be using and from a rental perspective and the moves that it does have stuff like thunderbolt and even dream eater is special as is you know, yes. as you said thunderbolt like those mm-hmm. two moves were doing heller damage like yes yeah, really really good moveset yeah totally um and then you just sometimes just get a bunch of shit and it's it's really hard to she's like oh i want to use scyther or pincer and it's like well i don't know they're, they're okay but they don't have this move and they don't have that move um so yeah and and i i think that 
the real fun back then anyway was just taking your your actual team and seeing them in reality in the flesh being like oh that's my real team that i'm using and it was it was mainly like us fighting each other on there using that but um yeah i think i think it definitely makes that challenge more manageable and i would say like hard mode for the challenge is just using the rental pokemon because you've got to deal with what you have essentially mm-hmm. um uh which is which is good fun um but yeah we got through three gyms uh like five more to go and then the elite four i believe is how that yeah. works is that correct yeah. um yeah. so yeah i think we'll we'll probably return to that at some point it'll be fun to kind of have that as a as a stream that we go back to and uh hopefully we'll come back uh, on one episode of the podcast and say that we did it and, and yeah. we finished it so. and be good to get to some of the mini games and yes the inevitable pokemon stadium 2 coming out and we'll, right. we'll do the same for that hopefully we can exactly chip away at it. Um, i did try a couple of the mini games before uh, before bally got there and um it's some of them are good some of them are just like man this controls real rough like the lick tongue one was very difficult to like nail the actual angle there's like a depth perception there where you're trying to eat all the sushi but like you put your tongue out and it's like oh it's just slightly off there but i thought i was exactly on that type of stuff also the ai is very good because even on normal i was losing every time the lick tongue one was well, really just like rough. mario party with you remember that's like, true i'm terrible i'm just terrible at mini games <laughs> is what it is I will say that I was just very quickly that the Pokemon Stadium two mini games are so much better than the first game. It's it's actually night and day, honestly. Yeah. So even if you're a little bit disappointed in some of the first game mini games, um, let's definitely get into the second game ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did the first one. I did start on was the Ratata race uh, on hard because I was like, ah, whatever, I'm good. Uh, and then, well, I got absolutely eviscerated <laughs> on that. But also, like the, I, it feels like there is a little bit of a lag. That might actually have been because I was using capture cards, so okay, it could not right. necessarily be to do with emulation stuff. But, um, but yeah, like jumping over those fences, I did have to preempt them quite a bit in order to make it work. So, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to go back to a few of those, play those multiplayer. But like you said, I think the real challenge will come when uh, Stadium Two arrives. Uh, at some point in time in the future where we mm. um lovely um okay well uh the next thing i'm just going to briefly touch on is nine 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 persons nine hours nine doors now last time i said i would go in depth on this game and in fact i have got in depth on this game just in a different <laughs> way um so uh i think probably next week at some point because um, we've got a blank week uh, i'm going to be uploading uh, to the main feed uh, a spoiler cast on 999 uh, that i did with a few members of the community um people who are very well wor- uh, versed in the the works of Katara Uchikoshi and um, all the games within the uh, the Zero Escape series, um, which was a lot of fun um, and lots of interesting things about the DS version talked about in that as well. Because I played the um, the non-re games version, which is only available uh, you know in modern platforms, um, and the DS version. It's one of those things, Bally, where, like, you know how we love, like, when games use the medium of games to do cool shit? Mm. The DS version of this game does some really cool shit that I'm, I'm a little bummed that I wasn't able to see. Um, okay. But, like, fundamentally, that version is a little more flawed because the whole idea of this game, right, is playing through multiple times because there are different flow paths you can go down and different choices you make will lead you to different endings, essentially, right? Um, in the DS version, you had to play the game from the beginning every time you wanted to do that or every time you wanted to choose a different path and that takes a lot of time and even though you can skip the text you still have to like replay the escape rooms every time which is one of those things that's just like you've already done it before and it's just like busy work and it's not very good so ideally in the modern era you want to play the nonary uh, games version because what it does is it shows you the entire flow chart and you can just jump around it wherever you want so you can be like oh i just want to go to this so i can unlock this piece of information that lets me move on to another ending um 
but yeah, that, the, the, lots of talk about that in there. I guess like just as, on a brief kind of level, 999 is a visual novel. Um, you are nine individuals trapped on this ship that is sinking. Uh, you are told by this evil master uh, who's kind of running the procedure called Zero that you have nine hours to escape from the ship. Uh, and, you know, there's this whole scenario where everyone has a bracelet and everyone's bracelet has a number on it. And in order to progress, there are these different doors with different numbers on it. And the way to get through a door is you have to have between, I think it's between three and five people have to do it. One person can't go through on their own. And on the other side, you have to like deactivate. So you activate on the door and then you have to deactivate. The way you get through these doors is using something called a digital route. Have you ever heard the term digital route before, Bally? Do you know what that means? No. Okay, so the idea is, is that say you have, um, you know, 23, the number 23, the digital route of 23 is five because you add two and three together right so if you had 123 the digital route would be six because you add one two and three together so the idea is is that the digital route of the numbers on the bracelet have to add up to whatever the door number is so if the door number was six you would have one two and three could go through that together because those three numbers add up to six when you do their digital route and you know in if there's a case where it's like you know the number i don't know 46 or for example or that's a bad example i I think i think if you have 89 right eight plus nine together is 17 but then in order to get the digital route you have to add that again so you do seven plus one so you basically have to keep adding until you get to a single digit number so like the the digital route of 89 would be eight because it's eight plus nine is 17 then one plus seven is eight right uh so it's, it's this is the kind of thing that um is a little bit confusing uh but you know you you get the idea of it and then the thing is you don't tend to have to do this yourself a lot of this is done narratively right because it's a visual novel everything is kind of uh you know done for you as part of the context of the story but you do make choices and there will be choices involving which doors you go through and depending on which doors you choose different characters will go through with you because they have to have the right number on their bracelet in order to do so um and so it's this really fascinating thing where no one knows what's going on there's a lot of weird stuff there's lots of lore dumps in there where like people are basically like reading off wikipedia entries about this weird shit um and i think that it is very interesting and fascinating and for the first like kind of i would say few hours of me playing it like i think the initial setup is fascinating but then there's a lot of kind of in in the middle moments where you're just kind of going through escape rooms and not getting quite as much story and it depends on what route you take and i think the routes that i took led to me having kind of a middle of the game that was a little more um okay less kind of like intriguing and more just like kind of going through all the escape room stuff um but there gets to a point where you suddenly start having revelations and then it just fucking snowballs and then like you're on the route to like specific endings and once you have all these reveals it's just like reveal after reveal after reveal like it, the, the reason i love these fucking games like dang and romper and this and and it's just like they have a way of doing story where everything is foreshadowed and set up and then at the end you have just like bang 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 like revelation after revelation and all of them feel earned and all of them feel good because they have been set up in such a way right um and it, i really i feel like there is definitely like some anime hurdles to get over with these types of games but i think from a storytelling perspective bally all these games are actually very much your shit because like they come to these like satisfying satisfying resolutions and moments where you're like 
oh my god how did they kind of put all yeah. this together and i think in a, in a smaller degree phoenix right has a lot of that yeah absolutely it, it does get to a bang 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 revelation and, and i definitely enjoyed the first phoenix right and want to play more so yeah yeah when i have some time i want to play one of these games Guaranteed. absolutely Wanna yeah because um, they're, they're great great um story stuff uh, in there and uh fun characters and and yeah i we, we dig into a lot of it on that spoiler cast so um I, I think like the first i don't know first half an hour 40 minutes of that thing is spoiler free so if you want to hear a bit more chat on it mm. um feel free to do that uh, but then the rest of it is just just take just pulling off the band-aid and being like what is this bullshit that happened at the end of this game it's so good it's so so good so nice. um look forward to listening to that and i'll be in the feed um lovely bali let's close things out with uh one more check-in on everybody's favorite jrpg uh that i think has been it's been about two months now since it came out and and consistently every show we're talking about it so uh, how are we doing with octopath traveler 67 hours into octopath traveler 2 i'm halfway through so i've done four out of eight of the final chapters for the eight characters and i'm actually a little bit over leveled now and it's kind of one i'm in one of those positions where the final eight chapters for the eight characters, the recommended level is 45 for all of them. So the downside is that the first one you fight is going to be really, really challenging. And by yeah. the time you get to the last one, the likelihood is that your characters will level, will have leveled up to the point where then maybe the seventh and eighth fights are probably going to be a bit of a cakewalk. And I kind of felt that with the first game because I know you only did like three or four fights, MBZ, but I, I went... I did, yeah. I did four characters because those are the ones that I all leveled to. Because, you know, if you're just keeping them all in the same party, eventually four characters will just be okay to go on their own. Right. Um, and then the rest just haven't been leveled because they're sitting on the sidelines the whole time. And God forbid we use Chrono Trigger as an example of how we could do this where people just level up alongside you, but, you know, they still yeah. want to do it this way, so... T- totally, and- and I've had to mix up my party a bit to kind of like share around the levels and just kind of, you know, balance everything out. And it's still definitely a downside of the game. Um, and I will say that I'm still, I've done a bunch of side quests to gain some very specific things that I won't spoil because I think they, they are a bit, little bit spoilery. But I will also say that I've not, I've as much as I've heard that the the game wraps up in a really more satisfying way than the first game... I'm not there yet to give my verdict on how well it did that or not. I've understood that there's, let's just say, more, there's much more beyond these final eight chapters. And that's why I'm not feeling that down about the fact I'm now quite over-leveled with many of my characters because I know that there's there's a decent chunk to come that I'm probably going to need these levels and then hopefully, you know, the final, final big, big, big bad. And I reckon I've got maybe 15 to 20 more hours to go to wrap up the final four chapters then i've looked up there's some other things that i won't spoil and then there's mm. something else so like i'm i'm really enjoying it so far i will say the stories that i've wrapped up are temnos throne oswald and agnea and everyone minus agnea has been top top notch storytelling in my view for like octopath style stories i'm not going to say like yeah. storytelling in video games generally sure, but in terms yeah. of like the cutesy little together rpg stuff Throne's story in particular is just the most incredible like they just dangle this carrot for chapter after chapter after chapter and then it's like this final reveal and you're like oh my god and then you have a battle and then it ends Mm. and you're like wow that was really dark and really well told like I just really like they play with the geography in this level in this chapter and there's real good reveals and 
my hypothesis about Throne was near the answer, but not on the answer. And mm. I, I just loved the reveals with her chapter. Like she, she's my main character as well. So, but I honestly think she's the best story so far as well. And Oswald's cool. story was very strong. Temnos's was pretty good as well. Um, and the four characters I've still got to go. I think that some of them will be good, good stories as well. I knew Agnes wasn't going to be that good. And I'd heard others say that Agnes okay. isn't that great. And, um, but her final fight was definitely a very impressive impressive spectacle. And that was predominantly due to the location. Like I really still nice. stand by that these these world this world is really impressive. And the cool thing about these final chapters is that every single chapter so far, maybe minus wait, no, no, that's true actually. Every chapter so far, you go to a new location to do the final chapter. So they're Ooh, able okay. they're able to intertwine like this new location to the reason that you're there and the reason that that links to the story that of the character that you're trying to wrap things up with. So like, mm. just from a JRPG like mechanics standpoint, that's a cool way of doing setup. And in particular, Throne is like the new location you get to to do that chapter. Like it's like this is messed up and mysterious and what is going on and i need to get to that reveal what the hell and like I, i've not really felt that with octopath before so really kudos to the team on that kind of story design but um i've, I've i can't give the green light for yes it all wraps up amazingly and definitely mm-hmm. play this game yet and i will also say i did have to because i like i said the, the final eight chapters the first chapter i found quite hard I admit I had to go away and grind a, li- a little bit. And I do find the Octopath bosses, they really, once you get over the precipice of being the right level to take on a boss, it really kind of just falls into place to the point where it becomes quite easy. It's quite mm. a fine balance between this boss is completely kicking my ass to now I'm kicking the boss's ass. Like it's a very sudden cliff I find on most of the bosses where you go from feeling under leveled to over leveled very on, in the space of two or three levels, which. It's very strange. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily. I think it's just something to be aware of that even if you're getting your ass kicked by a boss, go and level up like maybe two or three levels. It won't take you that long. And that's probably by and large going to be enough to, to take on the boss, which is kind of strange because it definitely felt to me like mm. I'm going to need to be 10 more levels and I'm way behind and it wasn't the case at all. So yes, there's a bit of grinding. I'd argue it's not very much grinding. I don't personally mind it. I just stick on the podcast. I go into night mode and I double speed the battle animations because that just gets you through it quicker and it it's a good time. So I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to the final 15, 20 hours and fingers crossed I should have beaten it next time we'll see I'm, I'm trying to wrap up a lot of things so yeah, all ahead sure. of tears of the kingdom but it's it's good stuff I it's improving and how how um weird and gross and monstrous are those big bosses because the pixel art animation for those was always one of the oh. things that stood out for me from the first game i won't say whose boss does this but one of them like is like this person and then they just transform into something so ugly that you're like oh i'm gonna puke <laughs> like it's just like oh god, god like yeah there's some really nice um sprite like design artwork for those bosses it's really good yeah I just love that they do that with this series where they're like, you're tiny and the the boss is, you know, it's a regular character, but like, oh, it's this butler, but he's 20 foot tall now. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's really fun that they do and that. And like, that's the thing that I just can't get over the presentation for this game. It, The music, the battle system, like the mechanics, but also the artwork, it's just so good like yes there are still some structural issues with the whole octopath thing i think a lot of those are bet much better than the first game but i can't deny that there's still some of them there but like the level of production with the whole hd 2d thing they're going for 
it's a really big step up on the first game the camera moves around quite a lot more much more dynamic and it gives a real there's just some really lovely looking locations in this game um and as i said like nintendo capri sun always says like there's just so many places you want to go and have a sleep but like there's mm, so yes. many places in octomath traveler 2 that they've put a lot more effort into making them feel a lot more cozy and the lighting feels stronger and there's just like reflections of the clouds throughout the game like you can see the reflection of the of the shadow of the clouds on towns and the lighting it's just it's a really top-notch presentation wise game and when you throw in some stronger stories you know like i think this game's got a lot going for it and i'm i'm glad that it's kind of at least critically one of the best games of the year so far like i think it's yeah. it's it's very impressive so i hopefully i'll wrap it up for next time Awesome. Very good. Um, well, that is going to do us for the first segment. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be back after the break to talk about that last Zelda trailer, some Mario movie stuff, and a bunch of other things. See you in a bit. everybody welcome back to the second half of the show it's time to uh to talk about some stuff some things that's been happening um bali uh we were kind of coming up to the release of the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom mere three weeks away i think ish at this point in time and uh you know not that we were worried or anything but we're like eh, we've not we've not seen a huge amount of this game you know they did that gameplay presentation which was great like gave us a lot of mm-hmm. ideas about like the mechanics of this game and stuff and I, I think like going into that and after that i was like yeah this will probably be like you know a similar world in some ways some new stuff to explore and mainly mechanical stuff and you know that'll be that'll be cool i'll, I'll enjoy it i think it's gonna be good it's gonna be a great and game and then uh, and then, and then Nintendo drops uh, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, quote, the final trailer, um, which, um, you know, if, if there was ever, you know how like Metallica did The Unforgiven, The Unforgiven 2 and The Unforgiven 3? Um, like, if if that Breath of the Wild trailer from 2017 uh, was The Unforgiven. The January one, yeah. Uh, the January one. This is The Unforgiven 2 yeah, to, uh, to that unforgiven. trailer. <laughs> it is in the same lineage. Like, the pacing is the same. The, the kind of like the the way it unravels and unfolds and like eventually crescendos is very similar mm. um this was a, a hell of a fucking trailer and i think uh has got everybody on the internet a lot more excited for this game not that anybody wasn't but i think that there was more of a tempered expectation for tears of the kingdom and now they were like all right motherfuckers here we go let's just fucking press the button and yes. uh, and yeah. show a bunch of stuff um yeah how, how are you feeling coming out of this thing it got the hype train going like i i obviously was still excited about this game i didn't want to watch this trailer but knew that 
we do do this Nintendo podcast. Uh huh. Yes. I should probably watch this trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched it like two or three times, and then I stopped. I didn't watch yeah. analysis like I did with the gameplay from before. Yeah. I know you've watched some analysis. Mm-hmm. My memory is very good at things becoming quite blurry quite quickly after i've seen something so while it's a good way of saying my memory's very bad yes yes, my memory's not the best so rather than watch a bunch of analysis and cement those things in my mind Mm -hmm. my preference is to just let it wash over me and play the game more fresh so as much as i it works to your benefit honestly like i I almost i I wish that i had that ability that you have to like see something (laughs) and then completely forget about it because it's it helps going into games that are like excited like god of war or something like that right like yeah i think you did watch a bunch of those trailers i've watched the trailer but but, like not too many times and i didn't watch analysis and by the time that i'm playing the game i've forgotten 80 percent of it like exactly so, yeah um yeah i don't want to go into detail on this trailer i just want to say i'm hyped i thought the trailer was fantastic it's exactly what uh kind of like the wider zelda fan base i think wanted i think there's hints of certain things in there that maybe i don't want to mention uh but it just looks great i'm hyped it's mechanically so much more complex than i think even that 10 minutes suggested and that's exciting mm-hmm. uh and this world i don't know what they've done to the first game but like it's it's a very different game in so many ways to that first game and i cannot wait to jump in yeah i think for me the thing that i just kept holding on to on this trailer was like just just fucking say that we play as zelda for god's sake yeah. like, I, was, I was just like they're teasing out so much there's like a segment where you see zelda on her own there's like some voice acting happening there and you know the the the, the guy is like you know yeah, we need your your knight link and everything and there's a moment where he could be like and we need you as well and then boom, yeah but like it's I don't cool know. we can I... still gonna go either way on that question as well like, yeah i think yeah. that that's who knows i, I yeah. hope we're not disappointed by that question when the yeah game comes about. well like that's the thing the end of this trailer she's like link you must find me and i'm like for fuck's sake she's a damsel in distress again <laughs> uh you know she's just she's in a different dimension or something this time which i yeah. don't know what's going on there yeah. but like feels like there's some weird time stuff happening or dimension stuff Definitely. happening because it feels like she she exists in the same world but somehow link can't find her so it must mean that there's some kind of parallel thing going on of some kind which i think honestly i'm actually interested how the story gets told right because the way the story was told in the original game was very much to the player's discretion you can just ignore it all if you want um but the memories are all past events mainly is what you're getting in terms of cutscene stuff and i'm like how do they do that in this case because zelda is clearly separated from link within seemingly a similar time all this happens so how do we cut to zelda for those cutscenes within the game like is it tied to memory like th- there's questions around that that make me suspicious about mm. potentially playing out zelda right um which you know who knows if that ever will be the case but it's something that uh i do hope uh eventually yeah, happens yeah. um but um but yeah i think there's there's a lot to be excited about here i think the moment for me to spoil like one of the moments in the trailer the first kind of shot that i was like oh uh was link jumping into that bubble i was like oh okay like as soon as that hit and then there's like multiple shots after that it's like th- yeah that th- um, this is the different stuff this is what we are looking for mm. this is the wild creative weird nintendo that we want to see from this game um and hints at things as well right like everyone's worried about uh, they're going to be dungeons coming back and like one of those first shots is a thing rising out of the desert you don't really see it you don't really see what happens yeah. there but like is that suggesting dungeons rising out the ground or something along those lines right um 
there's there's a lot of stuff happening here and like the landscape seems very different like the sinkholes with the sand that type of stuff so um but yeah i think it, it was also narratively a bit more focused right and so we have a bit of a better idea of what's going on not a huge amount but like you know, like every Zelda story, <laughs> you know, like every Zelda story, it's going to be quite simple. And I mean, yeah. the nice thing is that we did see Ganondorf um, and uh, got the confirmation that Matthew Mercer is in fact Ganondorf, which, you know, a lot of uh, Crickle Roll uh, fandom knew the instant the, that last trailer happened. He was but, only um, allowed to announce it after this trailer came Yes, out. yes. Which, again, is such a weird thing with voice actors, and I hate it that it's like this, but like... They have to wait until the appointed time when Nintendo tells them you're allowed to talk about it now. And this happens with a lot of video games, actually. For the most part, lots of games come out and then the voice actors are finally allowed to be, oh, by the way, I was this main character and they weren't allowed to say it otherwise. It's just, it's a weird thing about the industry and I, I hope it changes because I think it sucks for some of those people to have like been in trailers for years and not been able to say, that's me in the trailer mm. and like put that on their CV or anything. It's, it's a little bit stupid. But the flip side is like the voice, the supposed voice actor for venom in spider-man 2 has said like oh yeah the game's coming out in september right yes yeah no, <laughs> that's like, the flip side but, but that's uh, what oh, happens right. when you work with people who are more traditional in the acting space as opposed to voice actors because people right where spoilers aren't as big of a deal in the same way yeah yeah in, in hollywood it doesn't matter so you you do get that like i think it was goofy from kingdom hearts once said that kingdom hearts was coming out that year which it never did it was like way too early for that game but goofy thought he had it nailed to rights but um he was wrong on that um but uh but yeah, like I mean, people like Matt Mercer, who had been in VO for years, like knows that that's very much not the case. That, that wouldn't have happened on his end. But um, very good to to see that. And uh, same voice actor for Zelda, it seems like, who mm. is fine. Like I don't, I, I never thought the voice acting was very good in Breath of the Wild, and it no. seems to be kind of bad here as well. Which you know, whatever. I'm not that uh, invested in it. Like story is a secondary concern to me when it comes to these types of games. Um, but uh, it would be nice to have a good one, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna complain if if it ends up being great but um my expectation for that is quite low given what we got from breath totally, of the wild but totally. um, yeah we'll see um but yeah uh, that was tears of kingdom trailer exciting stuff uh we'll be talking about it soon very soon very so soon. uh looking forward to that um there was also bally uh just out of nowhere nintendo was like hey by the way um how about we ruin uh, mbz's gaming schedule uh by uh, just dropping <laughs> the fucking xenoblade 3 dlc the timing on this is ridiculous it's absurd what the fuck are they doing i, I was swore like this is a september thing right it's a big expansion for xenoblade 3 it's gonna take them time to make it you know all that sort of stuff probably gonna be like a 20 30 hour thing right oh yeah absolutely okay. like um you know uh future connected which was the expansion for xenoblade 1 that came with the remastered version was about 15 to 20 hours it was, it was probably the shortest Torna, the golden country at least 20 maybe 25 hours and this one looks like there's a lot going on there's a lot happening here i've already watched like a, a bunch of like two-hour analyses of this uh trailer already so i know a good amount of what's going on here but um but yeah this is this is a time commitment <laughs> and it's it's not one that i was looking for right now if i'm honest um obviously like it's nice because i love xenoblade but I don't know. I, th- I think it, it says a lot to how ahead Nintendo are in terms of scheduling because obviously Xenoblade 3 was brought forward two months and that was under the guise of, you know, internally, this game had been ready for a while and they just hadn't fired on it. And I'm assuming the same is the case with the DLC where they probably finished Xenoblade 3 super early. Nintendo were waiting to release it and then they're like, oh, well, also we can release this DLC now because this has now been done for a while, um, which is madness to me. But anyway, uh, it looks very good. Uh, I mean... 
if you have any familiarity with the previous xenoblade games you probably will recognize to some extent that like uh, there are returning characters here uh buff rex is here obviously uh who from xenoblade uh, 2 who i i didn't like rex's voice actor so i'm very glad that this northern man is much more uh a man let's say than the voice actor for original rex who was just a child basically um and uh yeah buff rex chad rex as everyone likes to call him um i i like the direction they've gone with his voice um but also I mean, Shulk is back, and Shulk is basically, like, channeling Dunban energy. He's got long hair, his, like, one of his arms is gone, so he has a mechanical arm. Like, he has the kind of, like, um, cape over his shoulder. He's basically just taken Dunban's aesthetic and decided it's going to be mine now, which I think is just very good. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there's there's lots of stuff with those new characters. This is essentially a story that is taking place way before the main game it's a prequel uh it's about the founders the founders of the city which is a main thing that uh, gets revealed in the story of xenoblade 3 and it's one of those things where like you can't really talk about this entire thing without spoiling the whole of xenoblade 3 in a sense or at least aspects of it um so it's hard to discuss but um i will try my best when i play it and i'm sure that i will be talking about it on next episode and probably will have somehow finished it by next episode because that's what i do with xenoblade it's actually nice to be in scotland when xenoblade comes out because i was actually last time an expansion came out with Torna, i was also in scotland when that happened so it's like the universe is conspiring to be like hey whenever you're here this is when we drop xenoblade dlc so uh um yeah very very nice. much looking forward to playing that and digging play in. ahead of um, japan yeah i think so i mean i'm gonna have to finish it before zelda aren't i so um yeah god there's too much stuff uh but i'm thankful that it exists it's just could you just put it out in september instead nintendo you don't have anything else announced for the rest of the year it, it's wild how little nintendo have this year out, yeah. out, out after uh, pikmin 4 like right I'm, pikmin is july right july, so like, yeah nothing else announced past that period of time um so and yeah it's it, probably not gonna be metroid prime 4 so no yeah find out unlikely. what it is yeah i'm excited to, to see but um but yeah like the idea of them the the fire emblem dlc also came out like super rapid i'm like i don't know what the logic is here behind like this rapid release of this stuff because i barely had time to get back to the fire emblem dlc like there's way too much stuff but um in any case uh we'll we'll get to it at some point um but Valor, there's also a little indie world yeah. showcase that happened uh, which was nice um always like seeing these and seeing some new announcements um I don't think this one was like a banger. I think there was some cool stuff in here and a lot of like sequels to like well-known indie games. Mm-hmm. There was at least like three or four like, hey, this is a follow-up to that yeah. game. That a lot you know. of updates on things we knew about already. Yeah, totally. Like um, DLC for some stuff that's existed already, yeah, like Shovel Knight well. Pocket Dungeon, Cult of the Lamb, Little to the Left, like that sort of stuff getting bonus. But um, was there anything here that kind of uh, caught your attention? Anything you're looking forward to checking out? I think the biggest new announcement has got to be rift of the necrodancer yeah I think, absolutely i think that you know cadence of hyrule and uh rift of the dip what's it called crypt of the necro dancer uh, cadence yeah uh, cadence of hyrule crypt of the necro dancer featuring the legend of zelda i think is the official title of that right game. right so those two games very very cr- cr- critically acclaimed and um, i had a good time with cadence of hyrule uh this yeah, game rift it. of the necrodancer is a lot more guitar hero kind of like yes. the, the, the 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 notes strolling towards you like that kind of thing and more traditional rhythm game more traditional rhythm game um i'm i'm intrigued by it i i i'd i'd, I'd like to see some reviews when it, i think it's got slated for 2023 they didn't say when mm. so yes probably going to get pushed but as much as all these indies tend to do but um it, it's 
it looks interesting and i'd be interested mm-hmm. in what reviews have to say and if they if it does well I'd, I'd be keen to give it a go yeah it's actually been announced uh for pc for a little while now the steam page has been up for um i think a few months um so it was kind of like announced previously but now nintendo are giving it a bit of a signal boost mm. and it feels like more of a nintendo platform type of game anyway the thing that really caught my attention about it is that there are segments of it that look exactly like rhythm heaven right like there's a mini moment games. where yeah mini games where like they're doing a um there's like a uh fitness uh gym and they're they're all kind of like following the actions of the fitness instructor i'm like that's just that's just the setup of a rhythm heaven game like um which excites me because anything that's emulating rhythm heaven in this year of 2023 when we have no chance of getting new rhythm heaven is always good in my book so i think that that's a Mm. nice little bonus there um uh, we've got a date for Minico's Night Market, which is one of those indies that's been around for a while and has been at a bunch of these showcases and is finally coming out. Um, and that one has very much like um, the Wild at Heart slash um, uh, Nights and Bikes kind of aesthetic right, yeah, vibe yeah. to it, um, which I think is pretty neat. Um, I, I don't know too much about it, but I think it's it's a cool thing that um, I hope that does well and uh, has, has some cool stuff going on. Um, but then we have a bunch of sequels, like Teslagrad 2 coming out, uh, Blasphemous 2 being announced, and Oxenfree 2. Teslagrad 2 is out. Oh shit, Stealth you're right, dropped, yeah. yeah. It dropped, yeah. Th- that and also the original Teslagrad Remastered, uh, both out. Right. I'm interested in reviews for Teslagrad 2. Um, yeah. It, it was looking cool. Yeah, it looks good. And uh, yeah, I played... You didn't play it, did you, the original? Uh, I did not, no. Okay, yeah, because it was back in the Wii U era, and so I remember playing that first game. You really liked um, it, but the final boss yeah. was a bit of a pain in the ass. You yeah, it, it's one of those games that, like, I think you died in one hit, so it got really difficult oh, towards God. the end. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if the remaster includes any kind of, like, easier mode yeah. or, like, stuff to mitigate that. But, um, yeah, we never played Well to the West, which was their no. second and game. We, and we um, spoke to uh, the director of Rain Pete, Games, yes, Pete, yeah. um, who we spoke to at gamescom way back in yeah. 2016 if you go back into the archives of this uh, podcast you'll find an interview that we did with him yeah uh, and now now he's there on an indie direct right. announcing uh Tathograd 2 stealth drop, dropping on switch which is very cool so um shout out to him um, but uh but yeah i don't oxenfree was a game we both liked but i i didn't love oxenfree so i'm not hugely into yeah i liked it i'd, I'd like to play two if it gets decent reviews like I, i'd be interested in that game um now it's a netflix owned company which is interesting yes um yeah so yeah um and it's also my fantasy critic so i want to see it oh okay there you go there you go um and yeah it's really nice to see escape academy coming to switch because that Mm. was one of our favorite games from last year really cool um, very nice to see that um so yeah some good stuff in there um neat overall uh but nothing nothing mind-blowing or mind-shaking i don't really expect that from indie worlds at this point um everyone's still going like where's hollow knight how many indie worlds do we have to go endure where silk song fans are trying to hope that it's going to appear in an indie world every single one until it comes out and and even after it comes out you know what it's going to change to it's going to be like silk song dlc yes. silk song dlc uh it never ends Bally. how many indie worlds has it been it must have been we must be on at least nine to twelve indie mm-hmm. worlds where silk song fans have been like where are silk songing from it it's like oh come on guys you'll you'll get fed at some point but um yeah it's not gonna it's never gonna be in an indie world hollow knight is is a phenomenon it is way too yeah. big for an indie yeah, world yeah. um it's fine as soon as hollow knight silk song comes out and then the subsequent dlc comes out then it will just change to hades 2 where's hades 2 uh you know which i'm behind frankly you mm. know i'm i'm all about that so uh we'll, we'll see I, I will also say uh they finished on the and finally was a sizzle reel which is always very disappointing like come on like you gotta finish on a banger and to finish on a sizzle reel is always a bit of a cop-out in my view 
yeah, I don't know why they didn't just finish on Blasphemous Two because that's a big follow-up sequel to a really popular game. Like, yeah. why not? Why not end on that as opposed to here's some more games like Brotato's coming to Switch? Cool, like I guess. But it, yeah, I think it it kind of um, it speaks to the lack of like big announcement of this direct because usually they would they would end with something like that. But I guess they didn't have the juice for it. So anyway, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, so. That was a bit of a news check-in, but Mally, it is now time to talk about something that everybody has seen in the world now. Uh, now, like one of the most successful animated films of all time Wild. has made almost a, uh, is it like a billion at the box office? Like it's closing. I don't know, some big number, yeah. Closing in on that. Um, I think uh, kind of funny was saying like Frozen 2 is the highest grossing animated movie at like 1.3 billion or something. Right. So Mario in. movie is going to surpass that is getting there but also like it hasn't been released in japan yet and traditionally japan is a good market for animated movies especially when it's fucking homegrown ip from japan so um, i'm sure that yes i'm sure that's gonna make a big impact there but um bali how did you feel about the super mario (laughs) brothers movie we both went and saw it um and uh yeah i don't know what what did you feel coming out of the cinema it could have been more uh for those who don't know i'm if i'm I'm a Star Wars fan above being a movie fan, but if there's one genre of film that I probably know the most about and follow the most closely after Star Wars films, it's probably Disney an- Disney's animated films. And that's both their modern animated, their traditional animated, and crucially all the Disney Pixar animated films. And when you watch a lot of Pixar films, they're obviously aimed at like a family audience, but there's still notes that really hit for adults. And yeah intriguing stories narrative characters that you care about and things happen to them and really cool stuff i'd argue this was also the case with the lego film obviously that wasn't pixar but still really hit me hard and i was part of me was hoping that mario the mario film could get a little bit of that not even like beyond the level with them or anywhere near that level but even just even just the smidgiest smidge of a little bit more character storytelling this kind of thing and in my view, it fell quite flat on on narrative, characters, all storytelling, all that stuff. I loved the references. Um, I think that this film really appeals to Nintendo fans, and it really appeals to kids. But if you want to aim at that like adult animated film audience, which I appreciate is probably a very small minority in the whole like grand scheme. Well, I don't of... think it is that small though, because like most people who go to animated movies are kids with their parents. Yeah, totally. right? So like there's a there's a huge audience of parents out there who get dragged to these movies and a lot of them I think are pleasantly surprised by the ones that are good, Definitely. right? Because then they, they are enjoyable experiences. And, and I think that the second that Nintendo did the deal with Illumination and not one of these other animated studios, I think the 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 deal was done as it were the writing was on the wall the writing was on the wall this wasn't going to be on that level um so i should have been more wise to my expectations on that for sure Mm -hmm. that that's that's my fault but um on references hit out of the park i thought it was hilarious uh some really cool good ones in there Mm -hmm. um and overall i had a good time i'm glad this film exists i think that nintendo will be laughing at how much they've now made mario appeal to a new generation just like the sonic film did and they will be rolling in their money. Uh, probably going to launch a Mario film later this year, a Mario game, I should say, later this year. That's probably going to do very well on the back of this film. They're probably going to launch a cinematic universe, and it's going to make a ton of money. And I think they will be very happy. And as a Nintendo fan, I'm honestly happy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, 
we came into this movie with different uh, kind of expectations going in. I think I, I've always been a bit more cynical about this and being like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be very good. And even though the trailers were good, I, I got a bit more excited after seeing them. I was still like, eh, not that excited. Whereas I think yeah. you were a bit more like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really good going into I, I, it. Yeah, I'm too, I was I was too naive to like the bar on what I expect from like a, yes. an, anima- an animated film. And, and that's my fault. That's not the film's fault. Yeah, and I think that means a little opposite reaction coming out of this because I came out of the cinema being like, that was fantastic. I love that. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And I think it's because my bar was set so low that I was like, yeah. anything yeah, yeah. anything that they did with like character, I was like, oh, that's interesting. They're digging into like Mario's relationship with his father. Mm, okay. like, And they don't, obviously, they don't go anywhere with that stuff. Like, They really skirt over it, but they, 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 do, they gesture they do at it. it. Yeah. Um, but like, even, even the attempt, I was like, oh, that's quite mm. cool. As, as limited so, as this story is, shall we warn for spoilers now and just say yeah i guess so we're gonna spoil for the whole film absolutely uh spoiler warning up now so if you want to go and watch it and you haven't yet uh if somehow being one of the only people uh in in the world who hasn't at this point uh then uh yeah you can clock out and come back later after you have seen it um but yeah i mean i thought i think actually like on the dad point it's really nice that charles martinet plays mario's dad in this movie what a cool nod um really like literally the father of mario well not really Mimo is the father of mario but from a voice perspective you know um shepherded this character in uh, and is literally uh, played uh, his father in, in the movie which i think is cool but also played a character that very much has a mario-esque voice like the uh the jump man guy at the beginning who's playing the jump man game right. in the arcade yeah. cabinet yeah um, so he kind of gets two two characters and also gets to say an iconic wahoo as well near the end which is is very nice um so yeah i think like from a narrative standpoint the 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 movie is basically um you know mario is plumber gets sucked into pipe has to rescue luigi from evil bowser teams up with peach and the mushroom kingdom and donkey kong and then saves them at the end in in uh the city and that's it that's like it, it, there's no weird motivations they take some stuff from the games where like bowser wants to marry peach it's like oh they're just pulling mario odyssey in here basically um and um and there's i I like i appreciate that all the references are pretty widespread across the mario kind of life cycle where at the very beginning you have some nes stuff right and you have him playing kid icarus on an nes and there's a star uh an an r-wing R-wing. on top of the tv that was like my favorite thing in the film it's just so cool like i love that stuff yeah, exactly. And I think I wasn't expecting the wider Nintendo references because mm. you expect it to just be Mario stuff or even Donkey Kong related. But like the, the the movie opens with them in a pizzeria that is punch out themed where all the pictures right. on the wall are different punch out bosses and characters. But we know that Miyamoto loves Star Fox, doesn't he? Like, so he does. It yes. was always going to get a nod maybe. And I guess yeah. he likes punch out to a degree. Does anyone like Kid Icarus? I don't know, but it's in there. Uh, so, um, I don't know. There's That's a, weirdness... a super deep cut for them to do for that that shot. They could have had what could they have had them playing? You know, like they could have had yeah. them playing Zelda One, right? Like I guess so. That could but have like... been a bit more. People might have recognised that. I reckon most people in the audience were like. That's just some retro game. And I'm like, I, th- I think they have to um, be careful about it because if they are going to set up a universe of movies if you have mario playing a zelda game and then there's also a zelda origin story and they cross over at some point oh it makes give it a me a break are you kidding me um, does, does that matter <laughs> i mean you it may, you, look here's the thing these executives these fucking people making this they're thinking long term they're like they're thinking big money i um, know but so. who cares what game mario's play like it's a game I, anyway is, yeah. uh, there's a weird there's a weird contradiction to it as well of like well 
Mario and an NES. Like, what? It just, it, you know, it's fine. It's a kid's movie. It's dumb. It doesn't really matter. But then right. you you can go into it in that sense and, and think it's, um, you know, it's, it's just a little bit weird. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I think there's, like, a, a lot of, like, my favorite musical, or one of my favorite musical nods was, like, the fact that they just use the Bowser's Fury music in, like, that big party that they're having, um, mm. which I thought was very cool. Um, and, like, stuff like them rushing to uh, work and they recreate one one like yeah, side scrolling nice, as they yeah. run like him jumping to the top of the flagpole essentially and sliding down at the end and all that sort of stuff um yeah loads of little things um question for you did you in your cinema before the movie get a bunch of ads for nintendo stuff and a tears of the kingdom trailer oh yeah so many like four or five it was like wow i don't know what percentage of this audience probably owns a nintendo switch i'm gonna say like i don't know a fifth at the most yeah. um they definitely will have sold a couple more switches and just in that cinema it was quite a full cinema as well um i'll also say the start of the film the two moments that hit me the hardest were the r-wing on top of the telly uh-huh and the other one was honestly the opening seeing nintendo's like the company their, like name. film logo their, their, their logo at the start of a film was a very weird feeling uh, Honestly, the last time I got shivers like that was seeing Force Awakens with you. Oh, um, wow. And Star Wars Episode Seven was like, oh my God, there's like a nostalgia punch in my gut kind of like hit yes. me. And obviously that gut punch was a lot bigger than this one. But I was like, oh God, Nintendo, like this huge part of my life is now on a cinema yeah. screen. Like this has hit me hard. Um, yeah, I really felt that. I think it also is because there's an expectation now that we will see that logo again and again as they mm. they do more of this stuff, especially after the success success of this. It's they're going to make a lot of movies now, um, and I think that just that that iconic kind of logo alongside the kind of new the new slash old like they have the 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 pixel nes luigi and mario kind of jumping about with it like i think it's it's a really nice thing going forward and i wonder if they play with that at all like if they mm. do a zelda thing are they gonna they're gonna mess with it and make it more zelda themed um or if it's always gonna be that the kind of classic nes mario and luigi kind of jumping um but yeah that was that was very nice as well as um i don't know maybe uh, terrifying to see the illumination logo start with a, a minion in a mario kart where is that um, heading where is that I've heard heading? I've heard people on podcasts suggest like one of the new characters in the Mario Kart I know. DLC yeah. is going to be amazing. I mean, for a game that already has the Mercedes Benz in it, then yeah, why not? That that's yeah, perfectly yeah. possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so that's cool. And then like you know, there's little stuff like fucking luigi's phone having the gamecube as the the gamecube oh, stop sound as the ringtone yes. <laughs> like there's there's a lot packed in here right there's just so much kind of small things um another musical thing that got me was when he's in the the raccoon suit the tanuki suit and he's flying and you hear the mario 3 music like as he's doing mm, that like mm. oh there's there's great like timing with some of that stuff I, i've heard some people talk about like there were moments in the movie that were they they had music written for it that was you know game related but then they were like oh actually we're gonna we fucking license banger. we're gonna license out uh you know this well-known yeah uh, real hit, shame which real shame you know it's, it's gonna happen in movies like this yeah. and it's like um great i guess like it just feels like hollow and like not not of the kind of lineage of what you want with the kind of history of especially when there's such great music in the history of this entire series like you should just be using it every opportunity yeah, possible totally. but, like those those know. classic music bangers hit me hard in like shrek and like 
2001. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're still getting used in 2020. It's just so wrote and a real shame yeah. that that stuff kind of works its way into a film like this because as you say i think the music bangers that were from like mario games worked really well i heard like mm-hmm. galaxy music in there odyssey music in there like i can't remember when but i definitely heard it and like there's yes. just some really impressive stuff and you don't you've got the big voice actors to get the ca- filthy casuals along to your film uh-huh. so you have to yeah. put in these 80s bangers as well like it's just I don't know. I, I'm not a film producer or, or anything like that, but like right. it just they they came across as incredibly like sellout and mm-hmm. um, unnecessary. But but there you go. Yeah, totally. How how do you feel about the uh, the voice cast overall? Because there's a lot of trepidation I, yeah. about uh, Chris Pratt as Mario and all that sort of stuff. Uh, how how did it kind of hit you? I think I think all the voice actors did a good job. Honestly, yeah. I I think yeah. there were certain characters I didn't like, but I don't blame the voice actors for them. I don't I didn't like where DK was the whole film. Like it was very yeah. weird. He was very young. He was very naive. He was very just like. It was just Seth Rogen's voice, which is what Seth Rogen has yeah. said in interviews. They're like, I don't do voices. And they're like, all right, we'll hire you anyway. It's like, all right. It's just, it's just very strange. Yeah. And yeah. I think Funky Kong was probably the weirdest where I'm like, this is, what the fuck? Like, this feels like the most phoned in performance of all time. Like, it was really Funky bad. or Cranky? Uh, sorry, Cranky. cranky sorry, yeah. yes. Fun- sorry, Funky was there, wasn't he, on the bike? I don't even know in? if that was Funky or not. I've not okay. confirmed. He did, have, not, he did have shades on, but yes. I don't know if it was Funky. Probably um, not, actually. I, th- I thought Jack Black was very good. I thought Bowser was... Yes, Bowser was, was a highlight. ...was good. I mean, when I'm judging these characters, they're obviously all incredibly shallow and like, there's oh, yeah, no right. character development whatsoever, but... no for what the film was going for and what the, the villain bowser is i thought jack black was great and you know chris pratt was fine like it worked i think yeah it, i think i love that the film addressed the the accent issue like mm-hmm. they didn't shy away from hey if you're from brooklyn why don't you sound like you've got a stronger accent and uh, you know he had a very light brooklyn accent i think it worked and I, i'm glad that was a big Ferrari before this film, and I don't think yeah. anyone's going to be talking about the accent in ten years. You know, I think it's no. It's fine. It was like it was inoffensive. It was totally. It was what an animated movie like this needed um, for a character who doesn't. I mean, he has a voice, but like he just speaks in like little uh, hmm. paraphrases, like little uh, bits and pieces, and never really strings full sentences together. Unless, unless you're at a Nintendo event where there's like uh, a Chris, uh, sorry, Charles Martin, I hid, hidden behind like a oh, wall yeah. and is responding to people yes. as they ask him questions, yes. uh, which did happen at one point. Uh, so yeah, I can't believe uh, Nintendo signed that off. That's great. Yeah, it was a wild decision, but uh, they did do it at an event at one point in time. Um, uh, yeah, I think um, I think Peach was probably the standout for me and taylor joy as, as peach was very very good yeah. um and uh yeah and I, there's some interesting i say interesting there's there's some narrative stuff with that where like people i've always thought like princess peach the toads like she's a human kind of character but the toads are not they're just weird it's nice they try to people. address it or like they address it um and they yeah. like tease at oh she came through the portal from that world so yeah. that's why she has a connection to mario but also but also like it just it's one of the we- the biggest weakness of this film is like it just has to keep going it just it's like it's an hour and a half it's very tight like you're in yeah. you're out nothing stops for a conversation that's longer than no. 30 seconds it just goes and then oh here's another 80s song here's another world here's a, it's yeah. like god just get my eyes are getting assaulted right now by like yeah. all the change and that's one thing i do want to say about illumination like 
my god, visually the animation style is absolutely stunning. Like it's it, incredible. It looks there's like bloom in there, and it just looks shiny, and it just looks really fantastic. Like I, I was very impressed by the animation style. Yeah, I think it's incredibly pretty, and um, I think that is like one of the standout things. It was an easy sell to people. I think this movie just because mm. how how popping those trailers were, and they do the full shebang in the entire movie. So um, yeah, I think hats on hats off to them for that but um but yeah like the moments where like mario meets peach for the first time and they talk for maybe 10 seconds and like <laughs> it, it, it suddenly it's they're doing an assault course and it's like there was no establishment of anything of who you are you've met for the first like like i think this movie could have been like you know one hour 40 or one hour 50 right and those just give it a little bit more breathing room there's a there's that really weird line like when they're in the flower field the fire flower fields where she's like there's loads of galaxies out there and they just leave it and there's no response yeah. <laughs> it just feels like empty <laughs> and i'm like what what was that like there's there's a lot of weird like direction choices there where it's like things are just kind of left without like an extra line or mm. D- dk and mario in the eel talking about their fathers yeah and then all of a sudden you're on to like rocketing out of the eel and it's never exactly. brought up ever again. Like, and they're okay. like, oh, here's the reference to Donkey Kong Country where you fly in that barrel, uh, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, totally. There's, there's stuff like that. But then it's like, oh, well, the, here's the obstacle course. And then Peach does her little floaty jump at the end. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. I, I know what that is. Um, and then they have like, oh, it's a flashback to baby Mario and baby Luigi. You're like, oh. I love that flashback. God, that <laughs> yeah. was a, a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. And then you're like, oh, shit. Uh, we're, we're watching tv and the mayor is there oh it's paul leads the mayor oh yeah. that's good you know like there's so many moments like that where you're like you are that guy just like pointing at the screen being like i know that thing i know that thing and uh yeah i i, I think that was the most uh, enjoyment i got out of it really uh, and i think most people like us um get out of stuff like this is yeah hey it's very shallow there's not a lot going on it's uh it's fine but um ultimately it's it's all about like it's all about that moment where they choose their carts and it's the Mario Kart 8 interface to decide mm, what you're going to have yeah. on it, that you know? Um, which I think is, is really good. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. what Do you expect them to do follow-ups here in terms of more Mario movies or in terms of... I think there's a rumor there's a Donkey Kong movie coming. Yeah, which... I, I think they stick close to Mushroom Kingdom initially. There's definitely more movies coming you could focus on warrior and luigi you can focus on yoshi's island i mean the implication from the the stinger at the end is that yoshi is coming into the get into the next film so do mm-hmm. they do something more mario world focused is it going to be yoshi's island focused how do you link yoshi's island if it's is it only going to be flashbacks of baby mario with Yo- who knows but you could that just... teaser was super weird as well especially because they showed like a bunch of yoshis in the movie so it's like mm. well we've seen this character already like surely it would have been more uh interesting to see a, a a hat with a w on it right like yeah, that totally. would have been more of a oh okay normally um, and that's what marvel films normally is that like you're setting up the next villain like that's yes the, the yes point, right like so yoshi's not a villain like he's a no accomplice, so it strikes I, yeah, me as a nintendo decision a conservative nintendo decision Very. at the end of this movie of <laughs> yeah. like ah oh, we can't we can't show wario you know because we don't know if that's going to be a thing so yeah totally um, um i I'd, I'd love to think that those films go on and succeed and then they do think about doing wider universe and they can actually smashify mm-hmm. these films at some point yeah um i think i can listen to some podcasts saying like now that they've done the big money winner and done this film um 
maybe they can do a little less safe film next time and like do something that's a bit more out there and does something unusual and because this film is ultimately very beat by beat very predictable very this that and the other and like i'd love to see them do something a little bit more out there like not every one of these films and you can see that in the the mcu not as much as they're cash grabby films not every single mcu film is going for the same style they're very different directors very different styles very different heroes Mm -hmm. so like if they're expanding universe here i do want them to try different styles with these different films like i i I don't just want another 90 minute assault of my eyeballs like i want something a little different uh right i'm not saying it has to be slower necessarily but it just has to be something different i just don't i don't want necessarily more of the same as as nice as another bunch of references might be yeah uh, and i think if they continue to work with illumination it's not great hope for the future in terms of that sort of stuff in terms of making more mature more interesting expectations again it's already happening (laughs) getting getting out of control yeah totally but like i don't know there are certain ip that don't work as well as movies um that would work better as television shows or animated things right um and if they are going to go in a marvel direction they might end up at that point at some you know point in time because you know marvel at this point they're just pulling ips out of the fucking hat of like nobody has heard of these things but they go on and be successful because the marvel name carries the weight right yeah like there will be a point where a xenoblade anime happens right probably right and that's the that's the right way to approach that as opposed to doing a live act i couldn't imagine a fucking live action movie for xenoblade the amount the density and the amount of ideas you have to fill into two hours with that ip just nonsense would never happen see i'd be shocked if if they do anything live action because i think there'll be something contractual where they'll want to stick with illumination and universal and They want to keep it all animated. That's what Illumination obviously do. Mm-hmm. But then the proviso is that they can then cross universes at some point, and that's much harder to do if they did it cross live action. So it's possible. Yeah, very true. But yes. I think I think we're we're locked into animation personally. But could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and honestly, like Nintendo's IP generally lend themselves to animation. So um, yeah, totally. Look at you. Look at Smash Brothers. Like it's a perfect example of different video game styles brought together in one animation style and it looks great it it works i I think the only ip where people might want a live action thing is metroid because it just feels like a darker grittier universe in which you could get away with doing a live action thing um and i think that could be cool if they do it but i just i don't think that's what their approach would be yeah Um, i think i also think that the second you stray anywhere away from the Mushroom Kingdom, I think a lot of us Nintendo fans vastly overestimate how much people know about Nintendo IP and like that's true the yeah. interest in people actually seeing these films. And like you said, with Marvel, with Marvel's characters, they had to lead with Iron Man, they had to lead with Captain America, they had to lead with Hulk, and well, Spider Man. That's a whole different deal, but they had to lead with the big guys so that then you can do the film about mm-hmm. Ant Man or. Yeah, no one knew who the fucking Guardians of the Galaxy was when that first movie came out. And now they're one of the biggest IP in Marvel. They built to it. Like, Nintendo have to build if they ever do want to get something that would be Metroid for people to have an interest in it. Exactly. One day, Urban Champion will arrive and everyone will be... uh, We're going to get a Box Boy film, for God's sake. Oh, hell yes. Oh my God, I need a Box Boy film. 
absolutely what the fuck would that be <laughs> that would be so good like it's just a it's like a silent movie basically where yes. you just watch this <laughs> this guy just like go go around trying to solve problems with fucking boxes out of his body oh beautiful um, one podcast uh, listened to suggested like pikmin was a really good shout and i mean they did those um, animated shorts yeah. right so uh, i think pikmin is the one that fits the most perfectly into illumination's existing style and yes. kind of what they do and the style of comedy of like minions and pikmin is not dissimilar so no there's good yeah. stuff they could do i didn't laugh out loud as much as i thought i might in this film honestly and i yeah. I'm, I'm not difficult i'm not i'm, I'm an easy laugh honestly like I, I laugh at a lot how did you find the um the, the the musical numbers from jack black the peaches song and all that sort of stuff they made me smile they're fun mm-hmm. they're not yeah. they're not laugh out loud funny um no that stuff i find incredibly american like it's very like I do think Americans like that kind of humor a hell of a lot more than us. Yes. Guys. I mean, look look how well that trailer has done. It's uh, all that video yeah, of just yeah. the music video of him singing that has gone extremely well. And I like, I thought it was all right, but it, it very much struck me as like Jack Black walked in, improv that in like five minutes. Jack Black doesn't know the name of Princess Peach. <laughs> exactly. Because he just keeps saying Peaches. And it's like, that's not her name but like i guess we ha- i guess we just have to animate to that now and me and Mo's like i'll sign it off it's fine i like you jack black <laughs> yeah it's like with chris pratt he's like he's cool it's like jack black yeah i think Miyamoto probably starstruck in that moment is like yeah he can do what he likes uh which is very rare for that man to to give that kind of uh ability but um, yeah yeah it, re- it really does strike me as something that he wrote in five minutes and was like oh, this is cool let's do yeah, it yeah and they're like we've got to put this in the movie now because he's got to have a jack black number in there um so uh, but he's been he's been fun like promoting the movie I think and dressing up as Bowser and stuff. So yeah, he has. I I might I must admit I might have to avoid some more of the promotion for the next film because if I if I hear Chris Pratt claiming how big a Mario fan he is one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna cry. It's, it's insufferable to listen to. It's God, just so it's... frustrating. And I get it. Like celebrities get put through the ringer on these press tours and stuff like that. But it's also like. Uh, it's it's hard right because you can't be like nah i've never played any of that don't give a shit about video games yeah because then the, the hardcore fan base are like i'm not seeing the mario film because chris pratt he can give two shits about mario yeah and that is yeah. unacceptable they need to hire hire someone for that role who is a passionate fan of mario yeah exactly it's just it's bad pr but like yeah i i don't know i almost think this is worse like <laughs> on a personal level i know it's not from like, oh, yeah, a perception level yeah, yeah. but personally i'm like none of you give a shit and i don't i also i don't care if none of you give a shit because your role is to do a job which is to act yes um and and that is that is what you're there to do yeah. and it doesn't matter if you're a fan or not yeah, as long exactly. as you're doing like, the character well number of interviews harrison ford has just taken the big shit on star wars it's like yeah. it doesn't make the character of han solo or any films that he's in any lesser like it's, absolutely i think yeah. it, it, it there's a certain charm to it yeah totally um there's a there's an i'm above this kind of yes. thing that makes you uh appreciate it more in some ways um so yeah i don't know is there anything else you want to mention about this movie there's not again there's not a lot to talk about the mario kart sequence was nice pretty lots of stuff it going was on pretty there. The, it felt incredibly unnecessary honestly yeah, i didn't yeah where were they going what why i don't i don't i don't even want to try there, there's not a lot of coherence here, let's yeah, be honest I, so. I can't even get into the weeds of the story because there aren't any there aren't actually any weeds it's just yeah exactly. it is what it is it's yeah 
and yeah. I, do, I do appreciate that they use that superstar music at the end with the superstar moment which apparently originally that was also going to be like a, an 80s another 80s oh, song thank god nintendo won out on that one My, yeah that well it, was i think it was moment. one of the music people actually it was like the composer who was like no we have to like what are you doing we right. have to do this and i'm so glad that they won that conversation because that was like a really nice moment at the end right having that the kind of like remix of the um you know the, the classic you you got a star <laughs> music <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I and um I'm the name of the guy who wrote DK rap. Uh oh yeah, Grant Kirk. Grant Kirk. Yeah. So I saw the Ferrari about the DK rap and him not being credited, so I was really looking forward to the DK rap. Mm-hmm. And they don't it's barely in it. They did they did like it's just like background it, noise. It's like the intro the four bars or something. So yes. yeah, that was I was really looking forward to this. I was like, they've got the DK rap in this film. This is going to uh-huh. be great. I cannot wait. And so that was a little bit disappointing. And the whole Mario versus yeah. Donkey Kong fight was very, it was fine. I thought it was really interesting what power-ups they chose to use yes, in the film. Yeah. I th- it's interesting they went with Katsuit and Tanuki Mario and obviously the star. Yeah. I always thought that the cape from Mario World might be more famous than the Tanuki suit. and might be a better use of mario flying mm. around but i think maybe you can go either way on that mario 3 and Super yeah. mario world there's a lot of debate about which is the bigger i think game. the tanuki suit is more famous because they've used it in more modern games as well that's there's a lot true, of there's yeah. a lot of that in 3d land and 3d world so yeah um, and then i think it's more modern the cat suit was was good i i was surprised did we i guess the fireball fire flowers in there yeah, yeah peach uses it and then donkey kong also uses it at the end i think mario maybe has it right and then peach has the ice flower from like new super right Bros yes and Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she clearly is looking like um elsa, elsa. from uh-huh. frozen uh-huh. it's like okay right do we have to do this like well anyway. yeah i guess so that's what the disney like. fanboy me is like you can't don't 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 dare touch Elsa, all right? Don't, don't you try, okay? <laughs> For us, it's a ten times better story than this. this oh, film. it really but, um, is, yeah. But totally. yeah, uh, that was interesting. So yeah, I'm, I was just a little like, are there power ups? I'm. There's no like Cappy. I don't think so. You know, or Mary Odyssey. Yeah. Like, I would have, but I don't know. I think they they touched the beats they wanted to touch, and they probably left a lot on the cutting room floor. And that's always going to happen. So yeah, yeah and then you know they, you, you got to save some stuff. Like the um, the cape was uh, given a little bit of a nod in their advertisement at the beginning, um, oh. where they do the Mario Brothers songs like "We're the Mario," you know, the, based on the old uh, the TV show, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Right, I think that, right. that song comes from. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the shots in that with like the bad green screen deliberately, which is a very nice touch that they they put in there, um, is they're both like lying on top of um, stool chairs and they have capes on their back, just waving in the wind. Ah, right, um, yeah, nice. So yeah, there nice. there is a nod there to the the Mario World stuff, but um, yeah, I I think that they they hit all the kind of like all the iconic things that different generations would want, right? All the all the kids going to this movie are going to be like, Cat Mario, I know him because I played that Bowser's Fury on my Switch. And all the adults will be like, oh, the Tanuki suit from Mario 3 back when yeah. I was a kid, right? So, so they're kind of hitting the um, the different generations with different stuff, which I think uh, is good. No love for Flood. Can't believe it. Cannot believe it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Cannot boy. Cannot believe uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much a lack of any Mario Sunshine reference in any uh. of this movie. Uh, which I even think if says he just like to know. rolled his sleeves up for one scene or something you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah that's, sure, that yeah. is super mario sunshine mario but uh, anyway yeah not to be yeah 
No, no. Maybe we'll get a Mario Sunshine movie at some point and uh, everyone will be happy. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it was a movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great fun. Um, I'm not like needing to go back and watch it a hundred no, times again um thing is Bally, i feel like you are inevitably going to be watching this movie a lot depending <laughs> yes. on how your son takes to it uh, or if you yes. dare to show it to him in the first place oh god um, yeah um, you might be in for uh, many replays of this movie yeah. which might be all right because then you just catch new references every time but um but yeah um interesting how that goes yeah and i i'm interested because by the time the next film comes out Bally jr will be old enough probably to take to a sin a, a a cinema because there was no way yeah. i was going to try taking him to this and you know what right. there's actually like some scary parts in this that i don't think he'd handle anyway oh so. yeah all the luigi's mansion oh, stuff yeah. the beer, which was really nice having the musical nod to luigi's mansion Very nice. going to the bowser's castle area but um was good. they really turned up the the scare factor on that a little higher than um yeah Bally jr would have liked so <laughs> totally. we'll see yeah. but hopefully the next film we can go along together and then we can watch it 40 million times at home and uh-huh. then every time we do the podcast mbz i'll, I'll spot another reference from the, the yep. film saying exactly so this time this time yeah absolutely anyway. um awesome well that is going to do us uh, for today's show thank you everybody for tuning in and listening uh it has uh, been uh, a lot of uh, moving about and stuff this year, and uh, we've got we've got a fun episode that will come out while uh, I'm away in Japan that we've recorded in the can already. Um, a deep dive on a game uh, that is is real cool, and um, very much looking forward to putting that on the feed for people to listen to. But mm. um, yep, we've we've got something uh, prepared, uh, which is great, uh, and of course we'll have that nine 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 episode go up next week, hopefully, um, and yeah, some some more stuff in the future with. Uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom coming so lots of stuff to be looking forward to uh, over the summer period um, but uh, let's uh, let's get on out of here and plug some things and stuff Bally obviously would love to thank some folks who support us on a regular basis over on patreon.com slash this Nintendo life where you can go to get some bonus episodes and some fun extra stuff if you want uh, and who are we going to thank today yes Bally? thank you to our $10 plus tier patrons uh, they are Zach S Thomas Matthew Albert and Wicked Gamer UK Alan thank you all for your $10 tier plus support it is hugely appreciated but also thank you to all of our patrons um mm-hmm. we really appreciate the support you give the show and there's of course a couple of bonus shows um over on patreon so go check that yeah, out yeah absolutely uh, obviously you can find us on the internet in various places uh, we are on twitter at tnl podcast we can go for updates about the show as well as links to our discord uh, which has been popping off a lot recently with lots of people chatting about different things uh, as well as our youtube channel if you want a youtube version of the podcast um uh, bally where can they find you on twitter find me on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 lovely you can find me at lord nbz um, and you can find the show in various places on different podcasting apps such as spotify stitcher apple podcasts download us wherever is more convenient for you uh, and rate us on different platforms obviously spotify is a place where you can go give us some love you can also review us on apple podcasts it's been a long time since we've uh, gone and looked at apple podcast reviews so i might go and have a look and see if there's there's anything happening there but if uh, if anyone wants to jump in there we'll we'll read those out on the show those are always good fun so um do uh, go ahead and review us uh, if you so choose because um, it always helps every little helps um i think that is pretty much us uh we're we're good to go here and um yeah i don't know i'm just i'm just trying to plan what i'm gonna play it's, Valley. And, it's, as difficult. Said, it's difficult nintendo ruining everything yeah. dropping this xenoblade dlc and <laughs> everything their own launch of 
Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For me, especially. Uh, um, so. But yeah, so this is episode 246 we're recording. Yes. Then we've got 247, which comes out on the 8th of May. A big episode, Bali, for a big, us. A big episode. We, we, yes. might, we might touch on that why. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so that's 8th of May. Obviously, Tears of the Kingdom comes out on the 12th of May. And then we've got uh, episode 248 coming out while you're in Japan on yes. uh, the 22nd of may but we are going to strive to get a few impressions of tears of kingdom in the can before mz goes on holiday and that'll come out on the 22nd so you will still get a little bit of tears of the kingdom reaction uh before we dive much deeper into that game yeah i really didn't uh think too much about uh release dates when we were booking that holiday (laughs) but also i don't think we had a release date for tears or maybe we did at that point um but um yeah i was planning in advance and it just so happened that that was the case uh which is probably like the the most like important time for uh people listening to nintendo podcasts but you know we'll we'll get some impressions out there and i'm sure everyone will be uh patiently waiting for our thoughts uh you know when i return and uh i'm I'm sure everyone will still be playing the game because it's going to be a big game um and uh yeah that'll be that'll be good fun so look forward to all that but until then thank you everybody for listening uh we'll be back in a couple weeks time with some more podcasting and nintendo goodness until then goodbye used on today's show was School Life from A Space for the Unbound, copyright Mojiken and Toge Productions 2023.